0: I have family who went to the University of Georgia, Glenn. Is that so right? they are rejoicing Did they get drafted by the Eagles, too? They did not, but I, I guarantee you they're probably on the Eagles list come the seventh round. <laughs> the Good. way things are going.
4: Good morning, everybody. He's Mike sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow and a rainy, miserable weekend here in the Delaware Valley. Uh, but a big one in terms of sports, and as the show goes on, we'll certainly get into the Philadelphia 76ers begin their second-round playoff with the Celtics. Monday night, uh, the Phillies. Nice start
0: by Aaron Nola. Good Very nice start yes. last
4: night, uh, as they as they win a low-scoring game against the Houston Astros out there. Uh, but the big story of the week, of course, is the Eagles' draft. Real quickly, let's just go over what happened last night with uh, rounds two and three, and then we'll get into the big news of Thursday night. So last night they trade out of the second round. They they uh, end up with two early third rounders. Just a little small trade from sixty two to sixty five. They pick up a sixth and seventh rounder to do so. Um, and my theory is those second, third, fourth rounds are the rounds where you're trying to trying to hit on a starter. First rounds yes. are supposed to be sure bets. Late rounders or long shots. These rounders you want to get a guy who's going to be there. Yep, and so they draft Tyler Steen, six foot six, three hundred and twenty-one guard tackle. Call him what you want. We'll see where he plays out out of Alabama. Any thoughts?
0: I don't think you can go wrong taking an offensive lineman if you're the Eagles because you have Jeff Stoutland, and because there is so much trust in Stout to be able to mold and shape and coach uh, whatever young lineman you have, and certainly in addition. Stout wields enough power within the Eagles' player personnel infrastructure that I'm willing to bet he signed off at some level on Tyler Steen. So never, never going to argue with the Eagles drafting an offensive lineman.
4: Third year in a row that they've used their first pick of day two on an offensive lineman, which is interesting, uh, Landon Dickerson in 2021 and then Cam Juergens last year. So I do think that's like that's the Stout one pick.
0: Yeah, it is, and that's okay.
4: Oh, yeah. No, I think we're great about it. And, of course, everybody's trying to look down the road at the future when, when Kelsey retires, assuming that is during our lifetime. Right. It, <laughs> it, 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 I, I may be long dead before Jason Kelsey decides to call it a career. But when he does, the thought is, OK, at that point you shift Jurgens over to center and right. then you look for guards. So maybe this guy's a guard of the future. Maybe this guy is the eventual replacement attack. He's big, as I said, 6'6", 320.
0: Yeah, the, the word on him is excellent technique, but not necessarily a mauler, a power player. Love that word. Uh, So, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he changes and matures and shapes, right? Because that was the same thing that was said about Andre Dillard, was that he had terrific technique. Mm. And then it turned out there were some other reasons he couldn't get on the field. Now, he ended up signing a pretty lucrative contract coming off of being a backup with the Eagles. But... If that's the comp, I think people might go. oh, Okay, we'll see.
4: Yeah, it was not a comp. I really
0: wanted to. Hear. No, I understand. Okay,
4: all right. And then, uh, whatever. What is the next pick? Consecutive picks. So where that happens, yeah. they draft Illinois safety Sidney Brown, um, uh, who Howie Roseman just waxed effusive
0: about. Man, he clearly loves this kid. Red star player, apparently, based on what Howie said last night. He kind of briefed the media on this. The Eagles' scouting staff assign certain designations to certain kinds of players. And a Red Star player, according to the Eagles staff, is someone who shows all the intangible qualities that you would want in an Eagles player. Great character. He's smart. He plays the sport the right way. I guess he gets the Larry Brown NFL Draft seal of approval, too. And Sidney Brown apparently had all of those qualities. Uh, He apparently also is a terrific special teams player. So that's good as well. Kind Mm -hmm. of a four-down guy, I heard. One analyst referred to him as last night, so no issue with issues with that pick either. Really, the Eagles have missed over time at the safety position uh, quite a bit. They've had to go out and sign players who were already established, a la Malcolm Jenkins, Roddy McLeod, guys like that. So don't know hey, well with that. Yeah. yeah, if they can hit on a draft pick at that at that position, that would be very good.
4: So this is the earliest they have the first time in the in the first three rounds they have drafted a safety since
0: 2011. Jaquan Quan Wow, Jared.
4: good memory. Yeah, there Temple zone. There you go, nicely done. Yeah, so um, we shall see. By the way, he was only the second safety taken in the draft behind a guy who, when we were doing the show on Thursday night um, down at the, at the stadium, me and Ike and Hugh and all the guys, uh, the guy that uh, people were hoping they would grab Not necessarily in the first round, but in the second was a kid named Brian Branch. Mm -hmm. Uh, So other than Brian Branch, this is the first safety draft. We'll see. Yeah. Um, But you you like what you hear. And, of course, what is the cautionary word here is that while people love to give out draft report cards and the Eagles are getting A's and A-minuses and A-pluses and what an amazing draft by Howie and he's a genius – best general manager in the league. We don't know. Nobody knows nothing until we see how these guys
0: play and what kind of people they are. Glenn, I use this example all the time, but I think it is appropriate. The most influential NFL player of the last quarter century was a sixth-round pick in the year 2000. Yeah. Tom Brady literally changed the sport up and down, and nobody had any clue of his, what his impact was going to be back during the 2000 draft. So you're right. We just don't know. Who knew back in 2011 that Jason Kelsey's, you know, arrival in the fifth or sixth round out of the University of Cincinnati meant that Philadelphia had claimed its latest folk hero yeah. in sports? So we just don't know.
4: And then on the flip side, there's always the Brian Bosworths and all those guys right, who are like top right. five picks who don't pan out. So that said, and, and again, Nobody knows nothing. Let's talk about the events that happen on Thursday, where the Eagles have two picks, and I understand why everybody's excited. And underst- and let me let me preface this. I, I don't want to put a damper on this. I just want to put a like. Let's you know, uh, we're, we're it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to say, um, because everybody very excited and very surprised as Jalen Carter, who is was regarded as the top defensive player in the draft in terms of talent falls and falls and falls, and the Eagles have picked 10, and then at the very end, they trade with Chicago. They move from 10 to 9, and they get Jalen Carter. Now, on the face of what this guy brings to the football field, this really does seem a coup.
0: It absolutely is. Purely from a talent standpoint, you have acquired the guy who, in a different set of circumstances, and we're about to get into those circumstances, might have been the number one overall pick. There were questions about the quarterbacks at the top of this draft. Is Bryce Young too small? You know, Questions came up about C.J. Stroud and how would he transition to the NFL and all of that kind of stuff. In another set of circumstances, Jalen Carter probably could have and would have been the number one overall pick. And so, again, purely from a football standpoint, the fact that the Eagles were able to get him at nine, if it all works out, would be an incredible coup.
4: So everybody knows the story. Uh, Jalen Carter pleaded no contest to misdemeanor charges of racing and reckless driving. There was a fatal crash back in January. Uh, there were uh, also some talk about maturity issues with the kid. Um, when he had his pro day, he showed really poorly and, in fact, had to kind of quit uh, in the middle of it. Now, that was the day after or the day before. It, or... was, it was the
0: day before he pleaded no contest right. to the two misdemeanors. So, neighbors.
4: obviously, he had very serious things on his mind that could impact all of that. The Eagles take all of that into account. Um, they... Everybody, you know what's so funny? The household name now is Dom DeSantis. Oh, yeah. Uh, Big, Dom, Big Dom, who's the guy that you've been seeing for years, next to Andy Reid, next to Doug Peterson, next to Nick Sirianni, the huge guy. Shout
0: out to my colleague Jeff McClain for demystifying yeah, Dom to great everybody. Yeah, he did, in, yeah. In uh,
4: so Big Dom has become more and more of an influential figure within the organization, and he's the guy who does all the background work. He's right. the guy who talks to every teacher he ever had, every ex-girlfriend, every shopkeeper in town, anybody who ever knew Jalen Carter, has talked to Dom DeSandro, and Dom gave the thumbs up, and the Eagles draft him. Yep.
0: Now what? (laughs) Well, that's the question. It is, and it's still an open question. Look, I get it. I understand and acknowledge that of all 32 teams in the NFL, the Eagles might be best equipped both with Dom and with the players and veterans they already have in the locker room. To keep Jalen Carter on the straight and narrow and make sure that whatever issues he had at Georgia, whether they're because he was immature or because he might have had genuine character problems, they are less likely to rear their head with the Eagles than they are with just about any other Mm -hmm. team, okay? But that doesn't mean that they won't, and it doesn't mean that the question can't be asked. And I think one of the things that you and I were batting batting around before the show was— the way that some Eagles fans seem to suggest that, why would you even bring this up? Why would you question whether uh, the Eagles were did the right thing in taking Jalen Carter, Carter or that Jalen Carter may not work out? It may not work out, and that possibility is real, and it's the reason that Jalen Carter was available to the Eagles in the first place. Right, He fell 2-9 because of these questions, yes. and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging them and saying, hey, we just don't know you.
4: And we'll talk about him today, and we'll talk about those issues with you. We'll talk about his performance more as well. But uh, And, by the way, we're going to also talk about them with two terrific guests. Ross Tucker is going to join us, geez, just in about 10 minutes yep. to discuss it. And Ray Dinger is going to discuss it with 11. I can't think of two people I would more want to talk about the draft with. Oh, no, this is going to be great. And Ross yeah. and Ray. Um, I mean, here's my bottom line on it, and I, I confess to being more of a fan than you. You, because of your job at the paper, try to remain a little more detached. I I hope on all levels this guy succeeds. I'm rooting for him. I'm all in. I want this to work. But that doesn't mean that you whitewash the issues of character and don't discuss it. Now, there's certain things— that are dumb, and there are certain things that are evil. Mm-hmm. And what he did was dumb; it wasn't evil, mm-hmm. right? Drag Correct. racing at twenty-two is, and by the way, not uncommon. Right. I drove my car too fast for a lot of years. Right? Maybe still do. Not ninety, but way too fast. These things happen, and all of this hopefully is a lesson learned. And now he's going to be—he's going
0: to be great. I. I'm with you 96%. Here's the 4% I would push back on. The major incident that took place, the one that he was drag racing and involved with that, le- that led to the two deaths, was immediately after Georgia had won the national championship yeah. game. It was, it was at a stage of Jalen Carter's life where he knew with some certainty, I'm going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. He had an awful lot at stake, an awful lot to lose, and he still exercised poor judgment. That gives me a little bit of pause.
4: Understandable. Okay, let's get a couple phone calls here early. Sean is with us. I want to talk about Sidney Brown, Sean? Is that what's on your mind? Yes, sir. How are you doing today, guys? Doing well, my hey, friend. Hey, Sean. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but I just saw
5: a little while ago it was a, an NFL 360 piece on – Sydney and his twin brother, Chase Brown, on on their upbringing and how they grew up and stuff. And i tell you what, if you have 15 minutes of time, put it aside because I'm telling you what, this is powerful, man. I mean, this is really, really touching stuff and everything. And you might want to grab a tissue because it's pretty tight.
4: Um, Give us the 20-second capsule of it.
5: Okay, well, they grew up in um, Ontario, Canada, uh, single mother. um, She got real sick, lost, lost her job and everything. Kid, uh, they went uh, homeless. Uh, she had to send the kids away to um, to school and high school. I down in Florida, I believe it was. They had a host family that they weren't real good in school. The host family uh, guys, that had an, an ex serviceman man, uh, taught them all the school stuff like that. Got them in um, in, in the right track and finding that. Got them through. Um, they went to Illinois and just and went back home again and their mom surprised them in their final game because of covid came in she couldn't watch them play football stuff final final game of their career in, in Illinois their mom was able to make it there without no, them knowing and surprise them um, for their final game at uh, Illinois it was just an unbelievable
0: wow.
4: the way they were they were raised and stuff. It's really really a powerful fifteen I minutes. I see a very good Mike Sielski uh, Oh, I'm going to get it I'm already going to
0: get a sit <laughs> down with this kid, and we're going to we're going to do the tear jerker to the nth degree here, Sean. Absolutely. I'm telling you
5: guys honestly, fifteen minutes is time that I'll it's, find it. it's well well worth it, man. NFL 360, Sydney and Chase Brown.
0: Hey, thank you, appreciate. it. Be you
5: well, man. I'll see you. There. I'll Thanks, see you Sean. at the
4: stadium. That's, that does sound like a great story. It does. Sounds it like does. a Sealski reaction to
0: me. I, I like the human interest kind Oh, of you're thing. good at that stuff. I love that's, that, that stuff. Your,
4: that's your lane. That's, that's your my wheelhouse. Yeah. That's my wheelhouse. Andy in Huntington Valley. Hey, Andy, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, all Andy. Right. Um, I thought it was a great draft, and all you need to know is
6: Micah Parsons hated the draft because he's scared to death of what we're building. I saw that. Yeah. That,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was quite revealing. So,
6: you, so, if that doesn't validate, and listen, you know- Kids do stupid things. Um, we've all we've all done them. My kids did them. They were young. They were stupid. And you you hope that he's going to learn from you know his mistakes and be surrounded by the right guys. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Big Dom down at the link is going to make sure you know he he toes the line so to speak.
4: Yeah. Well. And and more than – and thanks, Andy, and be well. And tell your son yeah. I say hello. More, more than Big Dom, it's really the culture he's going to get from Fletcher Cox and from Brandon Graham and, Kelsey and from and the Lane, guys because yep. it's the guys you play with that set the tone. Yeah,
0: that's where this culture comes from. Jeffrey Lurie talked about it actually last week uh, at the press conference where they announced and finally acknowledged publicly the Jalen Hurts contract extension uh, that the culture – comes from within the locker room. It comes from Hertz. It comes from Kelsey and Graham and Cox and Lane Johnson and all these guys who have been around a while. And so that has to filter down. It has to come down to Jalen Carter as well. And again, I'm not suggesting this was a bad pick. I'm just suggesting it was a pick with risk. And it's good to acknowledge that risk.
4: 215- 592-9494. Coming up, we'll talk draft with Ross Tucker next with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. You know who would love that kind of thing? Who loves big, tough guys playing in the trenches, picking up the quarterback with one hand? That would be our pal Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Podcast, contributor to 94WIP, and an expert, by the way, on uh, on, on gifts, which we'll get to in a second. How are you, Ross? I am doing awesome. Always good to talk with you guys. Always good to hear your voice, Glenn.
7: I'm fired up for uh, day three of the draft, working for the Eagles here. Just got my my workout in before I head over to NovaCare and see what guys they get today.
4: Nice. All right. Well, let's talk about the guys they got the first two days. We just played a highlight from Jalen Carter, whose whose abilities on the football field are amazing. We know about the the off-the-field issues. Uh, We also know that's why he kind of fell into their lap at 9 uh, you played in this league for six years, if I always get it wrong, but I hope I got it right. Seven. Damn it. I always cheat you out of Give that one that year. Give him that seventh year. Put oh, that respect on well, his I, name. I ignore you know the Dallas. You know what, Glenn? Glenn I ignore the I Dallas I'm year. I'm tell you something, okay? Yeah.
7: The best way to say that, so you never have to remember again. Somebody did this on TV once, and I loved it. The better part of a decade. <laughs> there you go. The better part of a decade. There you go. I, I don't even know what that means, but on, they said that. When I, I'm like, please just keep saying
4: that. That sounds good. Well, we we <laughs> know the it means. Part of a decade. We know it means long enough to get the pension, and exactly. that's the important part. Okay, uh, what do you think of of that pick, knowing kind of the risk reward that's involved with it? Yeah. So that's what's so interesting, Glenn, because
7: literally Thursday I was on the Odyssey Station in Chicago, and. You know, I kind of thought if Carter fell to nine, that the Bears would take him. They had a desperate need at defensive tackle, desperate. In fact, I think they took two two D tackles last night. Mm-hmm. But the guys on uh, the score out there in Chicago, they they weren't that keen on it because they didn't think that the Bears had sort of the the veteran locker room to mm-hmm. be able to handle it. Plus, they didn't know if Ryan Poles, their new young GM kind of had the clout to take this type of risk. Whereas, if you've ever heard Jeffrey Lurie talk, he's very clear that you have to take risks. I mean, he's very clear that playing it safe, you know, hitting it down the fairway is is not the way to win Super Bowls. And I also think, you know, the Eagles are in a really unique position, right? I mean, you're usually not going to have that good of a team have a chance to draft in the top 10. I mean, I think I saw where the last, Team in the Super Bowl to have a top 10 pick was Washington in 92 I mean think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that that's that's wild so they so they they're a really good team you come into a good organization Howie Roseman obviously has clout out the yin-yang right now to be able to make a move like this but then I thought the Eagles had a couple other things that I really liked about it you know you have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham in that room and in particular when I watched Jalen's video he kind of reminded me of a young Fletcher Cox. Mm -hmm. He might not be quite as powerful as Fletcher, but I think he moves a little bit better uh, than Fletcher ever has. But, you know, if you're the Eagles and he gets there, you tell him, you just follow 91 around. Everything 91 does, you do. And the other thing is that makes it so unique. Now, obviously, they didn't know they were going to draft Nolan Smith, but that helps the situation. But they did know that they already had N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis. Right on the roster, and those are high-character guys no matter who you talk to, right? So you gotta feel pretty good. Now, listen, there is some risk here, right? Like, you know, I don't know what the data would tell you. I don't know what percentage, but there's some percentage chance he just is a knucklehead and can't figure it out and can't become a pro, and that's why he doesn't become a good player. But I think the Eagles believe the environment they have, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and in particular, Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. You know, two teammates have known him for years to help keep him on the straight and narrow. I think the Eagles feel like if Jalen Carter can make it anywhere, it's here in Philadelphia.
0: So, Ross, as you said, you spent the better part of a decade in the NFL. And Glenn, I thought, framed the question about Carter really well in our opening segment where he said, is this kid just immature or is it possible that there are actual character issues here? Given your experiences in the league, How do you tell that? Is there a way to tell? When you were in a locker room, how did you know the guys who would bring it from the guys who needed to grow up, from the guys who were never going to make it because they just didn't have it mentally and emotionally?
7: Yeah, well, so what's interesting, Mike, is when they're young, you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, and you think they're just immature. But then when it's like year three, year four, and they're still doing that stuff, then you realize, oh, gosh, this is just who he is. Mm. He's just never going to get it. You know, I've talked with several people about Jalen, you know, both in and and outside of the Eagles organization, and he's just really young, man. I mean, he's just – you know, sometimes you talk to these guys, and this – I feel like I'm – it makes me feel older every year, (laughs) but I swear I talk to some of these guys now, you know, college kids or whatever – They feel like they're 16 to me. I mean, they're like, you know, he's from Apopka, Florida, and then he goes to Georgia. I I just don't think, you know, um, he's had some of the experiences that others have had. I think he's just kind of been a football player and in this bubble. And I think now he's going to learn how to be a professional. He's got some guys to learn how to be a professional from. You know, the book on him, and I've seen these reports, was, you know, that, he doesn't really like all the other stuff that goes into being a good football player. Like he loves playing in the games on Saturday, but you know, the meetings and the practices and the Mm -hmm. workouts and all that stuff. So that's interesting, right? Because on the one hand, it is really hard to succeed in the NFL. If you don't love the process and embrace the process, right? Like you got to grind on the other hand man, it's kind of encouraging that he was that good without liking any of that stuff. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I mean, like like the, on, on some level, it's like, well, wait a minute. If we can get him on board and get him with the program and doing these things, how good can he be? Because I'll also say, like, you know, there's D Lyman. You know, there, there's a long track record of guys, you know, the Randy Mosses and uh, Warren Sapp. Mm-hmm. You remember, you know, there were concerns about Chris sure. Carter when he came out and stuff. There are certain guys, though, that, man, when those lights are on and when there's 70,000 people there, they, they, they can play.
4: Well, what you hope, and and listen, as a guy who played the better part of a decade in the NFL, nice. what you hope That's is, becoming
0: the official phrase of the, the of this show. Ross Tucker, yes. yeah. What you hope is that the
4: culture around him, the peer pressure around him, is what drives him to do it. That this is a team where guys stay late and break down film. This is a team where... Guys are in the weight room doing an extra set of reps and that he sees that going on around him and and can't avoid it, isn't going to be able you to know, go home.
7: Yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, and, Mike, you've been around the team uh, for a while too. Who's the last, like, talented guy for the Eagles that didn't make it because they never really figured it out and or they weren't doing the right things off the field I'm sure there's somebody, but I I can't think of one yeah.
0: off the top of my head. I mean,
4: Wentz in a different way, but that's a whole different right. story. I, the, that, the, that's that, the
0: name I thought of. Ross was Andre Dillard, kind of. Not that he was doing anything untoward off the field. He just there there were issues there. It seemed where he couldn't get onto the field in the first place.
7: Yeah, but he, he, I don't think it was a work ethic right. thing with Andre. Right. It wasn't off the. It, it wasn't a lack of professionalism. With Andre, I think Andre, um, you know, I think he – well, early on, he struggled with the physicality.
0: Yeah, yeah.
7: And I think that that was really tough for him. You know, I think at Washington State, things had gone so well and so smoothly. He came here, and the NFL, it's like, um, it's like a scab, right? Like, if they see that there's a weakness
8: – They go at it picking yeah. it they
7: yeah. just keep attacking it and one of the first days they realized dillard wasn't great against the bull rush mm-hmm. so guess what every guy does every play after that yeah like and, until you fix it they're going to keep and i think dillard just I and mean, that's tough man i mean when, when you got guys just putting their head dead in your chest and running you over and knocking over and over again you can't figure out what to do i mean it's like you're getting beat up
0: yeah yeah, and I think your point is well taken, Ross. I'm I'm trying to think of a guy the Eagles have drafted and it didn't work out just because he was a knucklehead. Yeah. And I, and nothing's really coming to mind. Yeah,
4: I don't know. I'm sure there are those. Let's, yeah. Because uh, we got a lot we want to talk to you about. Let's get your quick 30-second breakdown of the other picks. Nolan Smith.
7: Still trying to do some fact-finding, Glenn, on why he was still there. I mean, I don't think I saw a mock draft where he went below 15. A lot of the mock drafts, he was at 8 to Atlanta or 10 to Philadelphia. Um, I think it's a combination of he tore his pec, so people might be a little bit turned off by that, but I've talked to multiple people, including uh, Dr. Chow, the former Chargers team doctor, not worried about that at all. Um, You know, he's undersized. Yeah, he's six-two, yeah. two thirty-eight. Which for an edge guy, there's a lot of teams and a lot of schemes where they're they're not going to have a guy at the end or on the edge setting the edge. It's two thirty-eight. They they just think the team will bring a tight end over. They'll double team with a tight end, in the offensive tackle. That guy. I I just don't think Nolan Smith was a scheme fit for a bunch of teams. Then the teams in the twenties wanted to have they needed wide receivers, so they kept taking wide receivers or whatever, but he is a perfect scheme fit in Philadelphia, and he has the perfect template in Hassan Reddick. I mean, you know, listen, you know, Glenn, I have uh, Greg Cosell on the Raw Soccer Football Podcast every week. He compared him to Hassan Reddick like in March, you know, before yeah. anybody to mm-hmm. the Eagles or whatever. So um, rare football player, rare football character, um, which is huge. And the thing is, is even though he's only 238, he's kind of like Hassan, like, he will play the run. Like, okay. he will come hit you in the mat. He, is, he beats you with his quickness to be able to play the run. Uh, I just think it's a fantastic, fantastic pick. You know, I mean, I know there were teams that were texting the Eagles, mm-hmm. you know, some of their scouts and stuff and saying, I can't believe you're going to get him. I can't believe you're going to get him."
0: So they made a trade, obviously, yesterday, ended up with back-to-back picks at 65 and 66. Tyler Steen, you were an offensive lineman. What do you make of him?
7: So what's interesting to me about yesterday, guys, is twofold. Number one,
0: it did feel
7: like those were picks where the Eagles felt like, hey, we could really use a good player in this position. Like, you know, we could really use another safety to be in the mix with Blankenship and and Edmonds. Mm -hmm. We could really use an O-lineman since we lost Dillard and Sayamalo. The other thing is they're so similar. I mean, they both played for five years at major schools they both started like 50 games and they both have showed position versatility you know sydney brown played nickel as a true freshman so you know who knows what happens you only have so many guys active on game day if avante maddox goes down maybe sydney brown ends up being the backup nickel and then Steen, you know close to 50 starts the better part of 50 starts at uh, right tackle and left tackle then he goes to the senior bowl and looked really good at left guard. And the Eagles announced him as a guard.
0: Yeah, saw that. So,
7: yeah, so to me, Eagles now have three options. Start at right guard. And that's Driscoll. Driscoll's probably the floor. And then they'll see if Juergens or Steen are better than Driscoll. But now they also have a guy in Steen. You know, they were they were really crazy healthy last year. Yeah. Now, if you lose a guard and a tackle during the season... You have Driscoll, and you have uh, Steen that you can plug in and feel like it's not going to torpedo the season.
4: Ross Tucker is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Listen to the Ross Tucker podcast. It's great. Uh, real quickly, actually a couple things, but one. Uh, so today, they don't have a pick until 6, although there's certainly the chance that Howie could trade up. There's a lot of trades occur today when the draft starts at noon. What's the unfinished business you'd like to see them do?
7: Well, there's definitely some positions where I could see them uh, adding a guy. Um, I could see them adding a corner. I could see them adding a receiver, but probably the two that jump out as much as any, running back and linebacker. You know, I mean, they've got four picks, so I kind of think there's a decent chance that out of those four picks, if they make all four, that there might be a runner in there, there might be a corner in there, um, and then there might be, uh, either a receiver or a linebacker. Those are kind of the positions where I would expect them to potentially add someone. Although sometimes, you know, they just like to take like a Jordan Milata. You know what I mean? Like right. They just like to take like a guy that has crazy physical ability, forget what position he is, and let's just see if we can make this guy a starter.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you, Ross, you mentioned running back, and it's kind of funny. The station spent the better part of two, yeah. three, four weeks talking about Bijan Robinson and the possibility of him coming to the Eagles, and we're just getting around to mentioning him now. What did you make of the Falcons taking him at eight? That's a really interesting pick to me.
7: Uh, agreed. I mean, he's getting, you know, close to twenty three million dollars fully guaranteed on a four year deal. So that's immediately right there with Kamara for the third largest guarantee for any running back in the NFL. That's that's a lot. I mean, now, average per year, the money's not that bad. But, I mean, you're still guaranteeing a running back four years and more than any of these other guys other than, like, McCaffrey have gotten. Mm -hmm. Um, Arthur Smith has a young quarterback in Ritter, and I think he realizes they they cannot run the offense through the quarterback. Right. they got to run the offense through the running back like he did when he was the offensive coordinator with the Titans with Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. right? So Bijan now becomes the focal point of the offense, kind of like the Panthers did with McCaffrey, the Titans with Derrick Henry. Everything runs through Bijan, and the quarterback can be a little bit more, I mean, it's hard, obviously, but a little bit more of a complimentary player, whereas in Philadelphia, you know, Bijan Robinson, even if they took him at 10, he was not going to be the focal point of the offense. I mean, they, they were going to run the offense through Hurts and through the receiving weapons, which makes... It, even less sense, in my mind, to have taken Bijan Robinson. I mean, if you're going to take a guy in the top ten, like a Zeke Elliott or a Saquon Barkley, that becomes who you, who, who the foundational piece of the offense is. That was never going to be the case in Philly.
4: Right. Ross, before we let you go, a couple quick things. Uh, where can people see you today, by the way?
7: PhiladelphiaEagles.com uh, on their website, the Eagles app, and then YouTube as well. So we do a a, a post show. So as soon as the draft is over – We'll be on talking about what the Eagles did. And then at the same time, Howie and Sirianni will do their press conferences. So we'll talk until those guys talk, and then we'll talk more after they talk. And so just make sure you're checking out your app or eagles.com or the Eagles on YouTube. That's
0: a lot of nice.
4: Now, Ross, I realize that Mother's Day is now eight days away, and I have been very remiss. Do you have any ideas for me?
7: Yeah, well, it's the best Mother's Day gift ever. And both of you guys with your background will absolutely love this. My buddy who started it is a newspaper writer. And oh. so you talk to one of our writers about your mom, or if you want to get it for your wife, the mother of your kids, that's fine too. It literally, while you're, you can schedule the call whenever you want, or you can feel, fill out an email question. You talk to them for 10 minutes, tell them how great your mom is, your wife. They write the most unbelievable story. It's framed, has pictures of her and you, or the kids, or your mom, whatever looks like it's on the cover of the Inquirer. I mean, it looks beautiful, and I've seen it so many times now. You give it to your mom. My sister and I did this. She's opening it. My mom had no idea what it was. Said, what is it well, Mom, we want to do something special. We had a story written about you. Like, my mom thought we commissioned Glenn Macnow to write a story. Like, she didn't even know this company exists.
4: That's great. She thought
7: it was the coolest gift she ever heard, and then she read the quote from my sister, like, I wouldn't be the woman I am today if it weren't for my mom. My mom just started bawling. I'm literally, <laughs> wow. guys, after the draft, I'm going to my mom's house in Redding to crash there tonight, and she uh, it's hanging up in her house. That's great. So, like, so, you, so- you literally get your wife or your mom will cry, and they'll have it hanging up in their house forever. It's called MyFrontPageStory.com. MyFrontPageStory.com. Literally the best Mother's Day gift I've
4: ever heard of. So,
0: Ross, can I do this? Can I have, like, the Inquirer have a front page story about my mother, and then underneath it, like... Uh, one of my columns, like, Eagle screw up by taking Jalen Carter. Can I do that?
4: I'm sure that's the one she wants. Yeah. Finally, yeah. Ross. Uh, there's- I, I,
0: I don't know
7: if it's that customizable, Mike. Uh, you can okay. try uh, there's
4: one last thing I wanted to cover with you because you are about the best person I know on social media, the most adept, and I love your football uh, stuff and your family stuff and your – Obviously, your beer stuff.
0: The food and beer stuff is well, where Well,
4: not Ross. the food stuff, because Ross posted a thing the other day that said French fries are horribly overrated or Whoa. something uh, to that uh, effect. Glenn,
7: Glenn yeah. you were a writer. You can't add a word like that. Oh, uh, I don't want to misquote
4: <laughs> you. What did you say? French fries French are horrible?
7: Fries, I said French fries are overrated.
4: Yeah, no, they're not. And, wow. and
7: here's the thing. Our brains, okay, our brains see that and think Ross Tucker doesn't like French fries. That's false. I am just saying French fries are rated too highly. People act like French fries are awesome. They're the star of the show. Yeah. Listen, they're not. They're not. Okay. Even my two favorite French fries are probably the waffle fries at Chick-fil-A or the fries at like Five Guys. Okay. They're oh. still not the star of the show. If I'm at Five Guys, I'd rather have two bacon cheeseburgers. If I'm at Chick-fil-A, if I'm being honest, if people are, well, what are you going to eat with your sandwich? You know what I'll do? I'll get an eight pack or twelve pack of nuggets, and I will dip it in delicious honey mustard or barbecue. The point is, is French fries are not a top
0: ten pick. Ross, see, I thought, I thought this was going to be an impassioned defense and elevation of onion rings, which are a completely underrated. I'm,
4: I'm an onion ring guy, so I'm with you on that, Mike. And I would take onion rings over. Onion
7: rings are gross.
4: Onion oh, my just, God. The, the, oh, the we got to
0: get them off. Get them of off. All right. get well, here's off. the
4: last thing, Ross, and this will be to your argument, okay? Uh, as somebody who is involved mm-hmm. in owning, having a piece of some restaurants, the number one most leftover food in restaurants is French fries. Exactly. That's, that is, you, that is a true fact.
7: And guess so. what? And guess what? Because you know why? When you sit down after you order your meal? Yeah, because, because everybody gives you a ton which- of them. Yeah, you're, well, no, you're always going to eat your sandwich. You're always going to eat your burger. The fries are secondary, hence they're overrated. People oh, I love fries. I love fries. No, you don't. You actually love Ro- the other thing you're eating with the fries more. They're overrated.
0: Ross, we just got a call from the provost at Princeton University. They want to take your degree back, okay?
7: <laughs> yeah, they can't do that. It's like written in Latin or whatever, so I don't know how they would even do
0: that. All right. Um, but, no, All right. look, it, they are overrated. We'll resume
4: fact. this sometime. To be
0: continued at a later date when I have a big plate of onion rings in front of me uh
4: right, yeah well that's the argument i want to have with you down the road but we will have the opportunity always great to talk to you you will be on uh, philadelphia eagles.com later in youtube ross a pleasure my friend
7: yeah absolutely great thanks for reaching out glenn all right be all right. well thanks,
4: there ross. you go let's uh sneak in no, we can't uh you guys on a whole hang on we will get you in the next segment 215 592 mike sealski glenn macknow on 94 wip Mike sealski Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP, Saturday morning, rainy day in the Delaware Valley. Not nice. No, not nice at all. I know you had to cancel an event that you were yeah, hoping we to go to.
0: Family runs a uh, charity softball tournament at Burrholm Park in Northeast Philadelphia every year, and we had to postpone it to June. That's just the weather. All right.
4: Uh, we will be talking to Ray Diddinger at the top of the hour. Meanwhile, let's talk to the callers. John and right. Manny Young starts. Says, "Hey, John."
0: Hey Glenn, what's up?
3: Monique? How you been? Hey John. I just want to say I think McDonald's are the best fries still. You
4: know. But they are good fries. They're great. They're great. They, they're great. Yeah, they're good. I, I'm a five-guys uh, devotee, but uh, McDonald's makes a worthy fry.
0: If you like stand-up comedy, uh, search on YouTube for Jim Gaffigan's routine about the McDonald's French fries. Is that it right? It's hilarious. I'm a Gaffigan fan. Hilarious.
4: That said, John, <laughs> and we will get to your football point momentarily, but uh, French fries or onion rings? Where do you go? Um, Fries you're All boring right. john get you're just, off the you're line you disappoint yeah. us but nonetheless keep
0: moving <laughs> anyway what's your but, what do you want to say about the eagles uh i want to do eagles real quick and then
3: um the uh, sixers so the eagles um i think just overall uh, their strategies in the last couple of years why they're successful is they're drafting these sec guys georgia alabama instead of like dillard and these guys from like a like a oregon state what do you think
0: I think they're being simpler about it. I think it's one of the things that Howie Roseman, uh, it's one of the steps forward that he's taken as a drafter, an Italian evaluator. Don't try to be smarter than everybody else. Sometimes the right answer is right in front of you. Sometimes Devontae Smith having a Heisman Trophy caliber and winning season for the best team in the country is reason enough to take him with the ninth pick. He's going to be good. And I don't, I don't have any issue with the strategy that they're employing at
3: all. Yes, and on the um, I know Monday we start playing the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I know Embiid's hurt again. I ain't saying it. I don't think we can beat them.
6: I don't know. What do you guys think?
4: Uh, well, we'll we'll talk about it more as the show goes on. They go in as underdogs for a reason. I will probably pick the Celtics in
0: seven. I, I would say Celtics in six. Okay. Yeah, and we can get into the reasons why. Yeah, on the and show. we'll
4: see how it, the Embiid thing is obviously a huge part of it. Joe Northeast. Joe, what do you uh, want the Eagles to do? Hey, Glenn,
9: Mike. Uh, Well, if they can get up from the uh, sixth round to the fourth, uh, this guy's projected to go in the fourth. Uh, Sidney Brown's twin brother, Chase, uh, running back out of Illinois last year. uh, He had over 1,600 yards. On 300 ca- uh, carries, he average five yards a carry. I'm entirely uh, with, in. With, I'm with totally paint, in. I don't even. I don't, I don't. I don't
4: know the kid. I'm taking <laughs> you on face value that all this is true. But if you can get a, a, I, I think they need to get a running back. Don't know that he's the guy. But you could get twin brothers on the Eagles. All in. Are yeah. right, Even better. Are they identical twins?
9: Uh, I, 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 I believe so. I'm uh, completely they, in, they, they, Sealski they,
0: they, confused they, they, in the locker room. Well, yeah, so here's the thing, Joe. I got my start in sports writing, covering oh. high school sports, and the first high school basketball team I covered, the two best players on the team were identical twin brothers, And it made me miserable because I couldn't tell who was scoring twenty points in what game and who I needed to talk to after every game. I don't want this in the Eagles' locker room. They got to draft another running back.
9: Yeah, you had to get you had to get the number, Mike. You had to get the (laughs) number they were. You know what I mean? But but no, this. This you know what I mean he's played the big ten, so I didn't check out his individual numbers to see what he did against Ohio State, but you know you got a, you got a Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State with good defenses, so
3: this kid's putting up six go
4: yards, okay you know
0: what I mean here's yeah. the so, uh, here's the here's the thing, Joe, and thanks for the call. I don't know that the Eagles are going to move up to the fourth round Glenn, when right now they have one pick in the sixth and three in the seventh well, here's
4: the thing they got like eleven picks next year yeah, they got a ton of picks next yeah, year, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't are they know, and are they going to move up to get a running back? Well, we're going to talk to Ray about this uh, when we talk to him, and I wanted to mention this to you. There are a lot of very good running backs right now, supposedly on the trade block, mm-hmm. right? And I would, like, Swift out of Detroit, Oh yeah, right? Yep. Minnesota is looking to make a move. There mm-hmm. are teams that are looking to move running backs who you could get cheap, who are good.
0: Yes. That might be the route to go. I would have no problem with that at all. Because, as you said, they have a stockpile of draft picks next year that they can use in these kind of situations. All right.
4: Steve and Kenneth Square, do we need to play the Georgia fight song again, Steve? Well, Glenn, I want
6: to give you some credit. You may not remember this, but before last year's draft, when you were on with Ray, Mm -hmm. you simply suggested that the Eagles should draft the Georgia defense.
4: Actually, that was Ray.
6: Was it Ray that said it? I thought it was you. I, I, I
4: kind of put the ball on the tee for him.
6: Well, that may be true. I think I, I raised I, I, it a as a like, I,
4: should they, and raised like, yes, they should. <laughs> yes.
6: Yeah, I, I'm a long-time listener. That's and, all right. Yeah, I, 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 I know how that works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that's pretty much what the Eagles have done. Um, in reference to uh, the off-field problems for Mr. Carter, uh, he made reference to uh, the linebacker, Dean. And someone else made reference to the uh, linebacker they drafted after him, uh, Smith. These guys were team leaders mm-hmm. on the Georgia defense. And I think that goes well for Mr. Carter and his, his uh, development uh, maturity, is, as you guys described it earlier.
0: Yeah, look, we said it at the top of the show, Steve, and Thanks, thanks very much. The Eagles have the human infrastructure in place. More than maybe any NFL team to handle something like this. You wouldn't feel as good about Jalen Carter's prospects, to be very blunt, if he were drafted by oh I don't know the Las Vegas Raiders or even the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. the fact that it's ding, the Eagles, ding. yeah, the fact <laughs> that it's the Eagles who took him, and I don't mean to sound like a homer here, but they really are better at this than most teams. Uh, that doesn't mean what they do is foolproof, and the burden of proof is going to be on Carter to show that he's growing up and that he's able to handle everything that comes with being an NFL player, and uh, he's able to keep his nose clean.
4: All right, Hold on, I got the stats here. Chase Brown, twin brother of Sidney Brown, uh, played at Illinois this year. 328 rushing attempts, 1,643 yards, Mike sealski, a lusty five-yard-per-carry average. 27 catches, 200 240 yards. So he catches
0: the ball. That's, that's really good. What's the what's 13 his, touchdowns? What's his total workload for his career? I know that was something that Ray raised with respect to Bijan Robinson. Yeah, actually, he uh, carried the ball a lot.
4: a lot. 676 carries in college.
0: Yeah. See, that's a lot.
4: It of is carries. a lot. It's a lot. A lot of wear. A lot of wear. But yeah. you get him late. You know, it's, uh, it was, if, he, if he's a
0: one contract guy, then he's. Uh, yeah. You know, four good years. That'll work. That's fine. That's why I would take a player like that in the fourth round as opposed to taking Bijan Robinson at 8 or 10. Well,
4: Speaking of Ray, we will get his opinion on everything that has occurred and what might happen when the draft kicks up again today at 12, 215 592 With Mike sealski I'm Glenn Mack now on 94WIP. Well, there you go. You know who probably knows the lyrics to this? I would suggest that might be our pal Ray Dinger. <laughs> As we play the Georgia Bulldogs fight song. And, Ray, a caller gave me credit earlier, but it really was you. When we were doing a show a year ago before the draft or during the football season, I think it was during one of the Ray Didinger Saturday uh, college football previews, and you were talking about Georgia and said, you know what? When the chance comes, Eagles should just draft every guy there. (laughs) Ray, Howie Roseman listened.
1: (laughs) I remember the exact conversation. Uh uh I remember saying if I was an NFL personnel guy, I would just stand outside the Georgia football dorm and just say, okay, I'll take you, and I'll take you, and I'll take you, and I'll take you, yeah. <laughs> and, let's, and let's all just go to Philadelphia. And, I, I mean, I said it jokingly, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the Eagles actually kind of acted on it. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to tap into uh, one college program and develop a, uh, a pipeline to one college program, well, why not go to the best? And um, and I, I said it then, and I still believe it that, that Georgia defense, especially the one of two years ago, um, was the best college football defense I ever saw. And you know, and I saw you know some of the some of the Woody Hayes defenses at Ohio State were great. And there, I mean, there were some other ones at like Texas back in back in the day. But I never saw one that was as complete from uh, you know from the line all the way back to the safety that was as that was as tough and as fast uh, and smart as that Georgia defense. And, you know, they have two national championships to show for it. And now the Eagles have four players from that program right here in Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't really expect the Eagles to take that scouting report and run with it, but it looks like they might have.
0: Ray, this just occurred to me as you were talking about the Eagles' tendency over the last couple of years to draft players from Georgia. They've also drafted players from Alabama. and And literally this just hit me as you were talking. Do you think there's anything to the idea that The Wentz pick, because he rose so quickly from a sort of obscure school, right, North Dakota State, all of a sudden he becomes the the number two pick in the draft. Do you think that has given the Eagles or maybe any other team in the NFL a little bit of pause to say, you know what, let's not overthink this. Let's not go try to find the diamond in the rough. Let's draft really good players from the best programs.
1: Um, I think that there could be a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, um, but the feeling about Wentz that the Eagles had, uh, was shared by pretty much everybody around the league. I mean, everybody, everybody really liked him. It wasn't, it wasn't as if the Eagles took a flyer on, on somebody from North Dakota state, just say, Hey, you know what, let's go get him. I mean, everybody, everybody was, was high on him. Everybody had him certainly with a first round grade, um, to varying degrees, but, I mean, when the Eagles took him at two, no, it wasn't anybody that said, "Oh man, what right. what the, what are they thinking?" I mean, everybody really liked Wentz at that time, um, and he showed in 2017, at least in that one year, that he had that kind of ability. But I think that Mike, I think what what you're getting at here is
0: like cutting down on risk, almost. You know? Yeah, I think there's something. I think there's something
1: to be said for um, taking kids from big programs that have played uh, at the highest level uh and shown that that they can you know that they can win and uh, uh i think and i th- i also think there's there's also something and and howie and nick have both alluded to it not just this year but in past years they want to get kids from winning programs you know they want to get kids who are used to winning and understand that you know playing football is isn't just about playing it's playing to win and it's winning you know and um i remember I, I did a book about the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the in the 70s when they built that uh, that Super Bowl team, which to me is still probably the greatest team that's ever been assembled, was that Steel Curtain team. And I remember interviewing Chuck Knoll about how he did that. And Knoll said, you know, when I came to Pittsburgh, this, team, this franchise had literally never won. When he got there in 1969, they had never won a postseason game in their history. Much like forget championship, they had never won a postseason game in their history. Uh, and he said, I had to I had to rebuild. I had to rebuild from the inside here. And I, I, I you can't do it with with just transient players or pickups from other teams. You got you got to bring people in that are winners and know how to win. And he said that, that was the message that he took to his coaches and his scouts and said, bring me back guys that have, that have, that have won and know how to win, because that's what we're going to – those are the kind of people we want, and that's what we're going to build with. And so it's no accident that, you know, they, they drafted Franco Harris and Jack Ham from Penn State, and they drafted Lynn Swan from U, USC. And even when they went to small schools, they went to powerhouse small schools, like Southern to get Mel Blunt and North Texas State to get Joe Green. And that was how they turned that franchise around and built it into a dynasty – there's something to be said for knowing how to win and going to find those players. You go to an SEC powerhouse like Georgia and guys that have two, one or two national championship rings, they bring that knowledge. In addition to their physical ability, they bring that knowledge with them.
4: All right, Ray, we've got a lot of ground we want to cover with you, so let's do like 45-second capsules of the four guys they've drafted so far. We talked weeks ago, and you had real concern about Jalen Carter. Uh, and the, kind of the character issues. How do you feel now that the Eagles got him at nine?
1: Still do. I mean, you can't just say, "Oh, that doesn't matter," <clears throat> because that, I mean, that listen, that's why he was there at nine. Um, but the the talent is unquestionable. I mean, he's he's just a real rare. He's a real rare player. I mean, to have, to have a guy who's six three, two hundred. I'm, I'm sorry, six three, three hundred and fifteen pounds. Actually, more than that. Um, with that kind of speed and that kind of explosion and power, um, it, you just don't see those guys all the all the time. And um, I that's why I thought that even for all the stuff that's happened with Carter over the last few months, that's why I thought there's no way. I mean, I know the Eagles were really interested in him, and I understand that. Uh, but I thought there's no way that they're going to be able to pull this off. There's no way that he's going to fall that far. Um, he's I don't even think I didn't even think he was going to get past five. and in seattle and to try to trade up ahead of seattle to get him to jump from 10 to three or four was going to cost you an awful lot so i just didn't think carter was yeah i mean i can understand he's on your wish list but the chances of making that happen i think are remote but you know there he was and so now you have to weigh the risk, risk and reward here. And, you know, there are definitely issues with him. I mean, you can't just discount what happened in the offseason. You can't, you can't just say, oh, that doesn't matter, because it does. Um, and there's clearly a maturity issue to be dealt with here. But what you're hoping for, and I, don't, you know, and I don't think it's just lip service. I really think that Howie and Nick and the people in that building believe it, that they, that they have built the kind of culture in that building that you can take a kid like this that obviously needs, needs some growing up. And you bring them in there and uh, put them uh, them around a bunch of people like a Fletcher Cox, like a Brandon Graham, like a Jason Kelsey, uh, you know, guys that have won championships and guys that really show up to work every day. I mean, if you're you're around that Eagles complex, you just feel that, that this is a very business-like kind of place, that they're in the business of winning. and, And they're all about being professional. And so, you know, take this kid, you put him in a good environment, with some guys that he knows from his college career, um, it's comfortable. And uh, I think it's, it's going to work. I really do. I mean, time will tell. But the fact that this guy, if you, watch, if you watch this guy on tape, he's just a special player. And the Eagles needed that. I mean, the loss of Hargrave was a big loss. I mean, you're not too many double-digit sack guys at the defensive tackle position. And you've replaced him with a guy who's capable of being all of that and more.
0: We are talking of course with Ray Dittinger, reviewing the Eagles picks so far in the draft. Ray, Nolan Smith looks small to me. I know I've seen him play. I know what he can do on the field and has done for Georgia. Hassan Reddick is the apparent comp here. Is he big enough to do what they need him to do as an edge player? Well, that's the
1: question. And that's why and that's why he was there at thirty. I mean most people had him projected. Much higher than that. Uh, I mean, some people had uh, some people had him going to the Eagles at ten. Um, I thought that was a little high. I sort of had him like fifteen, sixteen in that range. Um, but that's why he fell. People just looked at him and said, "Well, I don't know." I mean, you know, uh, some people say he's six three. No, he's not. He's, I mean, he's he's six two. Not that the one inch makes all that much difference, but um, he's uh, he's got a, a tremendous quickness and uh, and. Uh, He's a gr- he's a great player in space. Uh, he's an absolutely perfect form tackler. I mean, he's just I don't know. I, you know all the time I watch him play a Georgian. I saw him play a lot. I, I don't know if I ever saw him miss a tackle. I mean, I just he's just really good at that. Uh and he's very good at getting after the quarterback. He's hard to block because he's just so ex- that first step of his is really dynamite. Um but there are size issues. And and I think he's the kind of player. I I think this is less true of Carter. I think I think Carter is so good. That you could put him in almost any system and ask him to do anything and he can do it i think I think Smith is a more scheme specific kind of player you know I think his career is going to be dictated in large part by his defensive coordinator you know he you know he can't fit every system there are some systems he would go and almost get lost, but if you put him in the right system and you play you ask him you allow him to play to his skill set um then I think he can be a really really good player because he has. You know, there aren't many guys his size, even though you and I both refer to him as small, and by NFL standards he kind of is small. But it's very rare to see a guy that big, uh, that size, and that package, who can, who can run a 4 9-40. You just don't see those guys. But it's up to the defensive coordinator to scheme him in such ways that he's going to get the best clear shot at running the, run the quarterback. I think initially, you know, to me initially, Carter projects as like an every-down kind of player. I mean, he's going to be in your starting lineup, and he's just going to play all the time. Because he should. He's that good. He has he has to. His talent dictates that. I think Smith, to me, at least initially, projects as a situation guy, as a nickel package guy, um, you know, a pass rush kind of specialist, that kind of player. Uh, but at the 30th pick and a guy with that kind of physical ability, it was certainly worth the shot.
4: Uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, quickly the offensive tackle or offensive lineman. We'll see where he ends up. They get last night. Tyler Steen, 6'6", 321 pounds. What's the short-term and long-term plan for him? You think?
1: Uh, I think the first it's going to be it's going to be just turn him over to Jeff Stoutland and said turn this guy into an NFL player. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to be it. Very versatile. I mean, he started at Vanderbilt as a defensive lineman, uh, went to Alabama. They moved him over to offense, and he wound up starting at left tackle for an Alabama team that was pretty good. Uh, and you know, when I when I was looking at all the film and I and I saw Gibbs, the running back that I liked very much. Uh, as I was watching the tape I kept saying, Boy, this tackle's really good <laughs> and it was <laughs> uh because a lot of Gibbs' yardage was coming off of blocks that this that this guy threw. Um he's big, uh he's got pretty good technique right now, but he's just gotta get stronger. I mean if you look at him, you're talking about a guy who's three hundred and twenty pounds and yet I think he you know, he, his frame he's he's not a heavy set guy. He's actually kind of slim. So I think he can I think he can gain weight. He needs to gain some strength to play up here. Uh and the Eagles long term projection for him seems to be to play inside. I mean, they seem to be wanting to move him to guard and play him at guard. But he's already proven he can play tackle. So at the very least, he projects as a, a swing guy that gives you some versatility. They can play both positions. And who knows? I mean, right now, there's you know, they got, they got Cam Jurgens penciled in as their right guard, and I'm still not sure that he's the answer there. So who knows? I mean, Steen might wind up being able to really compete for that job. But I think the idea is he's still a guy that needs some development, and they feel like with Jeff Stout they've got the coach who can develop him.
0: And, of course, the last pick from yesterday, Sidney Brown, the safety out of Illinois, who, by all accounts, has all the intangibles that you would want in any kind of player. He had six interceptions last season, and it's a position that the Eagles needed to add depth and talent. What's your take on him?
1: Great pick. Great pick. I'm not, I'm not just saying that because he was one of my sleepers, but a uh, great pick. That's
4: right. He was uh, one of your sleepers. That's Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: he was. And... Uh, I really, I, I really liked him. I mean, I was again when I was watching the tape, and I was, I was actually studying tape of Illinois to get in a line on Witherspoon. Back when I thought the Eagles might be looking to draft a cornerback before they got Slay and Bradbury both back, so I was watching all this Illinois stuff, and I'm, you know, I'm looking for Witherspoon, and I just keep my eye keeps being drawn to this safety. <laughs> I said, who is this guy? Cause, I mean, he was all over the field. I mean, he was always around the football, and for a little guy, I mean, he could really hit. Uh, and then I looked it up and it was Sidney Brown. And then the more I watched it, I just said, this guy's really good. And I knew because of his size that the scouts were going to downgrade him. Uh, I thought there was a chance he might even fall to the third day, but frankly, he was just too good for that. But I mean, his size is a concern. I mean, he's five ten, uh, but he's really solidly built. He's 215 pounds and you can see that when he hits people. I mean, it's, but the thing that I really liked about him was, well, two things. Number one, he's he gives you a lot of versatility. There are a lot of safeties in this class that can only be one thing. There's only some safeties here that you can only play in the box. They don't have any feel for playing the deep middle. This kid can play in the box. Even at his size, he can play in the box. But he's also very comfortable playing the deep middle. And he's got the kind of speed that he can range from sideline to sideline. He's a four-four guy. Uh, but he's also got great instinct, which is, I mean, the six interceptions tell you that. He's just around the football. Uh, and he's able to diagnose pass route combinations on the fly. I mean, he sees things and gets a jump on the football in ways that are just kind of different. I mean, there's just an instinctive quality to his play that you really need to be a a good safety in the NFL. And, you know, this kid, he's a small package, but he's a good one. And uh, he was one of my sleepers. And I was actually thinking, you know, look, the Eagles need a safety. I mean, right now they're a little thin back there. And uh, this kid would be a very nice fit. And, you know, how he said it last night, and I think he's 100% right about this, is the Eagles fans will love this guy. I mean, he plays 100 miles an hour. And at the very – I mean, he's going to be a special teams guy right from the jump. I mean, mm-hmm. that's clear. But I think it won't be very long before he's actually playing in your in your main defense and maybe maybe be your best Steve Safey.
4: Wow. Love it. I mean, it sounds like you're really enthusiastic about what they have done uh, – which brings us to today. Now, they don't have a pick as of now until the sixth round. Of course, the chance that Howie makes a trade is always good. Uh, what would you like to see them address today positionally? And are there any names lingering out there? Maybe any more of your sleepers or any anybody out there you'd see as a really good fit?
1: Well, two of my sleepers are still alive. Um, Ivan Pace, who's a linebacker from University of Cincinnati. Uh, and I knew he he'd dropped because of his size. I mean, he's 5'10", he's 230 pounds, and People don't usually draft Sam by Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's in that he's in that mold, and he's he's a little bit bigger than Mills, but I mean, he's another guy, that's super productive, uh, and um, and I really I just like him. He's again, he's he's got some of the brown qualities. He's always around the football. and He's a big time tackler. One of my one of my sleepers last year was a guy named Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, came out of Oklahoma State, almost exactly the same kind of package. And I I remember telling you I said this guy's going to get drafted late. But he's going to come into the NFL and he's going to play and he's going to play right away. Well, Lions got him in the sixth round and he started opening day. Uh, I mean, Pace is the kind of guy that he's going to get into training camp and within two days the coaches are going to love him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going. To, I mean, he will have a spot on that roster nailed down before guys that they picked in the second, third round. I mean, that's how that's how good he is, especially on special teams. But also, he's going to get on the field because he's just that good. The other guy um, is—I I think the Eagles need to upgrade their return, their, their return game. I really do. Uh, and, I feel like we've uh, had this
4: g- conversation every year. Yes, go on. Y- Glenn yeah. doesn't feel and, that
0: way. Yeah, right. He won—he won the stupid football I, bet I, because well, their return just, game was so good.
1: I was—I was just going to say that you guys actually had a bet riding on yeah, It worked on this. for me. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah it I worked mean, for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you. Uh, I mean, I mean, Eagles were a really good team last year in many areas, and uh, but the special teams were not that great. I mean, their coverage teams were not that great all year. Came back and really hurt them in the championship game. Well, pace would certainly help you there, uh, and uh, and I think this this guy Deuce Vaughn uh, is a running back from Kansas State, and I always seem to all drafts bring me back to Kansas State. Uh, but i I know he 's tiny, I mean, I know he 's little, and you 're going to look at him and you say You joke are you kidding me you 're going to bring a five foot five guy into the n f l uh,
4: but hey. you look at him Nolan Smith, ray, the original Nolan Smith.
1: Yes, the original Nolan Smith uh, was sort was sort of in that mold, but I mean this guy is not just he's not just a specialist. I mean he was a heavy duty back at Kansas State, I and mean, he had 1,900 total yards last year, uh, and he can do a lot of different things. I mean I don't expect him to be a real time running back for the, for the Eagles or anybody in the NFL, but he's a very good spot player. He's a very good third down, just dump the ball off and let him run kind of guy, uh, and he could certainly upgrade your special teams right away as a return man, both punts and kickoffs. So. You know, I know he's going to hang around a long time because of his size, but anybody that watches the tape knows that you know, he's a real player. Now, his father is, the, is a Dallas Cowboys scout, so I have a feeling that at some point, if nobody else takes him, the Cowboys will take him. And if he's going to come to the NFC East, I would sooner see him wearing an Eagles jersey than a Cowboys jersey.
0: Ray, there's a good argument to be made that the Eagles ought to draft a quarterback, a young quarterback to groom to be a backup, something along those lines. Develop him. Uh, it's a thing that smart organizations do. Is there anyone still out there who fits what they would be looking for in someone to back up Jalen Hurts? I don't. There's
1: nobody there that I would. No, I I really don't think so. I, I don't know. If there's anybody there that kind of sets that. That that has that kind of game that uh, that plays his kind of game. Right. Um, I mean, Jaron Jaron Hall from BYU is is a pretty good player, but he's not in that mold. Um, and there, there there are some people that really like Stetson Bennett, the kid from Georgia, mm-hmm. who you know. Here we go. We're going back to Georgia again. But again, he's you know he's five eleven and he's not you know he's not the runner. He's not the dual threat kind of player. He's also older than
0: him. Glenn, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's been he's been around, but he um. But he has, you know, he has that knack of being able to make big plays in big games, which is a good quality for a quarterback to have. I just don't know if he's got enough arm uh, to play in the NFL. But uh, no, I, th- you know, I think that that's, that, I think the Eagles probably went into this looking around at the possibility of a quarterback. I just don't know if. Um the way their offense is built right now, there's a guy on the board still on the board that I think would fit that would fit that description.
4: All right. Last one, one position they have not addressed uh this off season. Well I guess they did with Rashad Penny, but they haven't addressed it in the draft and I still think it's one they gotta deal with is running back either in the draft or right through trade and you and I just agreed on a guy out there who would make a logical trade.
1: Yeah, DeAndre Swift. Uh I mean I, I put it out there last night when I was doing stuff on NBC and I I mean half half tongue in cheek the idea well i don't well, know. You know they
4: they they drafted a running back in the first round so they they could feel like moving him
1: yeah i mean well that's well that's the thing i mean i i don't know how the eagles feel about that but um yeah i mean to me it, it's it's obvious that that swift that the, the lions are going to move swift um i mean they've drafted gibbs uh they signed Mon- they signed montgomery for a huge free agent contract um there's really no role for swift there at this point and their general manager pretty much said that on on day 1 when he said that, uh, you know, well, he's still he's still on our roster, which was basically his
0: <laughs> ring endorsement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which was basically his way of saying, it, if anybody's interested, give me a call. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, look, not just because it's a Georgia thing and not just because he's from St. Joe Prep. Uh, but I mean, we have seen in his NFL career that he can be a really productive runner. I mean, my goodness. He, I mean, anybody that saw game you yep. know, game one last year. Out in Detroit, I mean, he ran the Eagles ragged. He ran for 144 yards in that game, uh, and almost, almost single-handedly won the game for the Lions. Uh, so he's really good. He's he's had some injury issues, as running backs tend to do, um, but he he fits the kind of back description that the Eagles are looking for, which is a yeah, he's he's not he's not a big power guy, but he's a slasher and he catches the ball really well. And, you know, if you brought him in here, you wouldn't be asking him to be a a 30-carry-a-game guy. I mean, you've already got other backs. You've got Gainwell. You've got Scott. You've brought in Penny. Um, You're going to be putting together a back-by-committee kind of thing. And in that role, if you're not asking him to, to be a, a real heavy workhorse kind of guy, I think he can still be productive. He's only 24, yep. uh, and he's on the last year of his rookie contract, so he's not going to cost you a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I mean, I just I just sort of threw it out there, and not knowing how serious the Eagles would be about it. But, you know, listen, if I was Howie, I, I, to me it would be worth a phone call. Well,
4: We shall see what they do today. Always uh, looking forward to it. By the way, Ray, I should mention that you and I – are going to be together in May, uh, May the 16th, which is a Tuesday night, right? Yeah. Uh, at the Bryn Mawr uh, Theater at 730. Tell the people what we're going to be doing.
1: We're going to bring back our sports movies night, which is uh, something that we, you and I have done in the past and had great fun doing it. Uh, we show film clips, uh, scenes from some classic sports movies, uh, which are always fun to see again. And um, we tell people stories about how the movies were made, uh, stuff that happened on the set, some of the casting decisions that were made, uh, some little untold stories about movies that people have seen and are very familiar with. But we're going to say, well, you think you know everything? Well... Here we got something to tell you, and uh, so we've got Rocky, we've got the Natural, we've got the Hustler, we've got Caddyshack, of course. Of course. Field of Dreams. I mean, there's. Uh, it's it's really it's really a fun evening. I mean, you and I really enjoyed doing it. Yes, and I'm we glad did. we're going to get to do it again. And Bryn Mawr Film Institute is a great place to do it.
4: Indeed, it is. For tickets, go to org. That's Tuesday, May 16th at 7:30. Ray Dinges and I will doing Sports Movie Night. Film.org. Ray. Enjoy the rest of the draft. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, like tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> You're coming up. That's I should say. Tomorrow I'm on with Jody. You have agreed Ray to come on at 11 and I appreciate it again. I look forward to it. Take uh, care, guys. Tell bye. Maria, Thanks, I, uh, we appreciate that too. Yes. His very wife much. allows him to do this and we appreciate that as well. Well,
0: maybe it, you know, I'm sure she appreciates it. It keeps him out of her hair.
4: Uh I love bit. Ray. Ray's retirement is not, not, it doesn't appear to have held. <laughs> anyway, all right. 215. He's staying busy. I know. Well, Listen, we had some callers and we didn't get to you and you hung up and we appreciate that. If you want to call us back, we'd love to talk to you. 215 592 9494 with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94WIP. All right. Well, what we're watching this week is n- n- no shows in particular unless no. you're watching
0: anything. I am not. No. Okay. I haven't watched uh any okay. new shows in a right. long while.
4: So what we're watching is The Draft is Absolutely. what we're watching and uh both you and I on Thursday were uh, were there at The Draft um covering it for you for the Inquirer, me for 94WIP but last night I was watching and the people are watching and it's on th- it's a rare show that's at the same time on multiple networks.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of odd. <laughs> The fact that we've reached the point where the NFL draft would be on a major television network in prime time just still blows my mind. I know the networks don't have the influence that they once did, and it's Friday night, and that's not a big TV night, but my God, Mike Greenberg at eight o'clock on ABC. you got to be kidding me.
4: All right, so here's what you got. That's right. You got NFL network, uh Rich Eisen doing the quarterbacking over there. Uh, And a series of analysts. Daniel Jeremiah is one of them. I think he's very good. I do, too. Charles Davis, Kurt Warner, David Shaw, former uh, Stanford head coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ian Rappaport's kind of their insider. On uh, ABC, you had uh, Sam Ponder, Robert Griffin Jr., and as you said, Mike Greenberg. On ESPN, you had Greenberg the first night, Mel Kiper Jr., Lewis Riddick, Booger McFarlane, Chris Mortensen, Adam Schefter, little
0: Susie Colbert. Rank them. NFL Network 1, ESPN 2, Mike Greenberg 375. <laughs> I don't understand why ESPN insists on inflicting Mike Greenberg upon us. He's, he's I don't get big it. big-money guy. I know, and I, I don't know. They have him on the NBA coverage. They have him on the NFL coverage. They have him. On their morning show, and the NFL Network coverage on Thursday night, to me, was really good. Uh, Jer- Je- as you said, Daniel Jeremiah is really sharp. He knows his stuff. The one name you left out was Joel Klatt, who is usually on Fox, but was on the NFL Network Thursday night. Former and
4: Flyers was- winger back in uh, the year. Joel <laughs> Otto. Joel Otto, right. Trent Pody, Clatt. Was-
0: Trent Klatt is who you're thinking of, right? Uh, I'm aware, yeah. Oh, come on, Glenn. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the just solid meat and potatoes – this is what you need to know. We give it to you in kind of uh, an easy to take way. I feel like ESPN is getting too cute with everything. It's sports photainment, yeah, for them. And it's and listen, the draft
4: for a lot of people. Like my wife came in when I'm watching the draft last night, and she goes, "Wait, you're watching this?" <laughs> it's yeah. like, "Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I give her the, well, I kind of got it for work." And, yeah, I mean, it can move kind of slow. Last night as opposed to the first night, where they picked seven minutes in the second round Mm and five minutes in the third and showing a lot of highlights and stuff. But I feel like NFL Network really gives you solid analysis and good highlights, and I trust the people there. Rich Eisen is a guy who, by the way, once upon a time, I had a huge fight with on the air, (laughs) on the show. Wow. And somewhere in our sound system, there's Rich Eisen saying to me, come on, man, (laughs) as he can do. See if you can find that one. That
2: was with you and Anthony. I listened to that live yeah. years ago. I remember yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: Wow. Yeah. He I was, don't know if we
2: still have it, but I, I recall this. If
4: you can find it, that would be great. Two we, man we, in or one man in. We leave. were arguing. Somebody was ripping the Philadelphia fans. It might have been Deion Sanders. And okay. Rich, Rich Eisen was allowing it to happen in a slanderous way. And oh, I called him on it. And gotcha. So we got into an argument. He's like, he thought he was calling for a friendly interview. And mm-hmm. come on, man. <laughs> anyway, but I think he does a decent job. He's, mm-hmm. he's a good facilitator. Yeah. Okay. I'll give him that much. Maybe a jack wagon, but he's good at that. And I trust their people, and I like it. Uh, and I'm with you with ESPN, which 90% of ESPN I don't like because they always feel they have to make it too cool for the room.
0: Here's my theory about ESPN. Yeah. The best studio show in sports right now is Inside the NBA. The reason it is the best studio show in sports is because of one person, Charles Barkley. Yeah, it's the best. I think ESPN is kind of chasing that in everything they do, not just their NBA coverage, their NFL coverage and their college sports coverage. And I think they're trying to find some kind of formula that works in the same way inside the NBA works, and they're not going to find it. Because the reason inside the NBA works, as great as Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith, and it's funny as Shaq can be at times, mm-hmm. Barkley is Barclay, the superstar. Yeah, he on carries that. it. He carries and it. and ESPN doesn't have anybody
4: like no, that. No, they don't and they're and they're trying. I, I think that's a very good point. They're they're always trying to find a way to make it cool and entertaining and they tend in my to my regard they fail. Yeah.
0: And and there are people on there individually that I like. I think Dan Orlovsky does a really nice Love job. Love Dan Orlovsky. I think Mina Kimes is smart. Yeah brings good. a different perspective. Sure. But it, it is that feeling of like we're cool, and we're trying to be cool, and you need to be cool to w- to watch and listen to us. And it's like, no, I don't. I just want to hear what you guys think about these players who are being drafted.
4: So I put a Twitter poll up yesterday asking uh, our listeners what network is doing the best job of draft coverage. Got thirty-two hundred votes. That's amazing. That's, uh, uh, Twitter's, despite all its issues, Twitter sometimes is amazing. Uh, 42% NFL Network, 39% ESPN, 19% ABC. Who are those people? <laughs> anyway, there you go. That was, that's that. It's, so. it's
0: interesting. I mean, we say it over and over again every year, how big the draft has become. I mean, it's just incredible. And when you think about it, it shouldn't be that surprising, right? You're combining the NFL, you're combining college football, and you're combining hope. And mm-hmm. so, people are going to be into it, but it's still and, just... And, and drama. And as, drama, right. As you
4: watch Will Levis sit in the room by himself, pick after pick. They made a, a little movie. little pathos.
0: They made a movie about the NFL draft.
4: I know, it's terrible. Kevin Costner, but yes. They it did. has its
0: moments, Glenn. It has its moments. Uh, Joe Banner? Well, no, I wasn't talking about Joe. All due respect to Joe, who I, <laughs> who I like and get along with well. Uh, no, like, the, the Kevin Costner manipulation of the draft at the end is kind of cool. A little yeah,
4: bit. Although completely...
0: Oh, it's contrived as hell. Yeah, totally yeah. contrived and implausible. But you know, so is Field of Dreams, and we love that movie.
4: Well, okay. You compared those two? You put those on the same page? I ju-
0: just—it was the first Kevin, other Kevin Costner sports movie that came to mind. And Field of Dreams has one really moving line in it, and the rest of it is kind of. Blech.
4: Um, we actually, when Ray and I wrote our book, we agreed it was a little bit overrated. We did not. We did not put it in the top ten of all time. Okay. But we put it at eleven.
0: Uh oh, no, I think you're so, I think you're overrating it. But we we
4: we discussed its flaws. All right. Anyway, that's the draft, which continues in twenty minutes. If anything interesting happens with the Eagles, we will obviously let you know. Let's say hi to Clay in Kansas City. oh, all the drama's going on in Kansas City, Clay. You're yeah, in, you're in the middle yeah. of the storm.
3: Yeah, it's um and the bad part about it is most weekends I can shake loose. I have been absolutely slammed, so I here it comes to my town and I don't even get a go.
0: Oh so, man
3: Um I it, I liked Ray Diddy's comment. Um I will tell you, well, you know, I, I watch a lot of college football. Um Deuce Vaughn is the next Darren Sproles. I'm telling you guys. Have you guys seen him play at all? Do you, I know college football's not a big deal in Philly. But. Yeah,
4: and I haven't gotten to a lot of uh, Kansas State stuff, but... Um, <laughs> no,
0: I, I watch more Kansas State basketball this year than I did Kansas State football. I, I
3: just... He is really, really dynamic. He gets lost behind the line of scrimmage. And and I would agree, like, we need to address, you know, the kickoff and punt game. He does that now. Like, he's returned punts and kicks. And, um... I, a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. I'm sure you have a lot of people. I didn't like the Sidney Brown pick at first, but there's a picture going around of him running at the combine. That kid is jacked, man. I mean, oh yeah, he is I a. I You know, he looks like a young Brian Dawkins. I, I don't want to throw that out there, but you know, we got Dawkins at about the same spot. We got this kid.
0: Um, and then yeah, one last I'd,
4: I'd be careful with that one too. But I, yeah, I know, I know. I'm just
3: saying. And I'm then pretty, one last thing. I'm pretty thing. sure um,
0: Dawkins was a second round pick. He
4: was. Right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He, was.
0: Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was.
3: And and I think we traded maybe to get him. I feel. Did we trade like a Missouri wide receiver to get a pick and get him? Maybe?
4: You're asking me so to, to remember who they traded whatever. for Brian Dawkins? Come on now.
3: Hey man, I. I Twenty five years you that ago. Twenty eight years ago. Thirty. But I've been a fan since '88. So. And then the last one I'll throw out there is there's a kid. You know there's an Iowa State connection with this coaching staff because the iowa state coach went to mount union about the same time as nick there's a kid out of iowa state by the name of Xavier hutchinson like he and deuce Vaughn are the two kids i want today because this hutchinson kid is a zach pascal clone and i really hope we get that guy i'll listen to you guys
4: off the
0: air uh great coverage i will
4: appreciate it i like i like a guy scouting late
0: rounds yeah this is great we get good intel uh, from our callers. That's fine.
4: All right. 215-592-9494. Looking forward to taking your calls. We will, uh, in the 12 o'clock hour, man, Sixers begin the second round of the playoffs on Monday. That's kind of out of sight, out of mind.
0: You know, I, I tweeted this the other day, Glenn, and of course it was in jest, but I think it's there's some truth to it. The Sixers could get swept by the Celtics, and if Based on the Eagles draft and the reaction to it, nobody will know until July. <laughs> uh,
4: maybe. We'll work some Phillies uh, in as yeah. well. And uh, as I said, take your calls at 215-592-9494. Mike Sielski, Glenn now on 94 WIP. Well, and we hope we see him do that with the Eagles. Of course, there are some issues with him, a little bit of a medical issue, which we will now discuss with our expert from Cooper Bone and Joint. Dr. Mark Pollard joins us today. How you doing there, Doc? Doing just great. Hope you guys are as well. Uh, we're doing you, fine, doctor. and we are excited about the Eagles draft, but I have some questions, one of which is Nolan Smith. You just heard the highlight. Um, he missed a good part of the 2022 season for Georgia because he sustained a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, he underwent surgery on it. Um, rather than me continue to like give the details, I will ask you, when somebody has a full tear of the pectoral, which he has, what's the healing process after surgery? What's the rehab? What's the expectation when he can fully participate?
10: Yeah, um well typically when the pec tears the the tendon tears off of the humerus bone so the pec muscle kind of pulls back towards the sternum um and so you know you can have a partial tear where some of the tendon lets go and that sometimes you can treat non-operatively but if it's a complete tendon tear where the whole tendon pulls off typically for young active people uh, most of the time you do surgery to kind of put it back where it came from um You you just anchor the tendon back to the bone with uh, little suture anchors, little screws that have thread coming out of them. Typically, the recovery tends to be pretty predictable and pretty favorable. Um, You know, I know that uh, most of the time it's considered, you know, about five, six months to get back to full activity and, and things like that. However, and I think we've all heard of some people who've had the. Tech uh, surgery and have come back, you know, sooner, three, four months, or something like that. Um, and typically, the uh, prognosis is uh, generally very good. You know, the expectation—it's reasonable to expect to, you know, return to normal activities with no limitations.
0: Yeah. So Smith had the procedure in November, I believe, doctor. So by now he should be in the clear, is what you're saying?
10: If not, if not, he should be very close to it. Yeah.
4: Okay. Good to hear. Uh, one other thing we want to discuss with you is Joel Embiid, um, and I believe we have now discussed Joel Embiid with you over the years about 55 times, so let's just keep <laughs> keep that might rolling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, might, might be, uh, yeah, it is, and, and always at this time of year it appears, but um, in the last round of the playoffs, Joel Embiid sprained his right knee. We don't know yet. No, His status for Monday, I mean it's They've been cagey about yeah, it Yeah, it started at 50-50 and it has not changed from 50-50 He sprained the lateral collateral ligament, the LCL of his right knee um, I, Clearly you can't tell us how good or bad it is But how much sh- concern should we have about this And if you're the Sixers, what is he wearing a brace? Is he playing limited minutes? What are we doing here?
10: Uh, this is a whole lot of it depends yeah um, I know you know you know it's LCL injuries uh, are fairly common they're not as common as, as MCL injuries which is the medial collateral ligament mm-hmm. the LCL is on the outside of the knee um, and kind of the it gets stretched if you have kind of a bow leg force put on put on the leg which is not uncommon um, and as with a lot of injuries there's a spectrum of how severe it can be. Uh presumably they ha- they got an MRI to actually take a look at the ligament itself and so hopefully this is like a grade 1 tear where the fibers that make up the ligament are actually intact. You know the rope is intact there's just a little bit of swelling around it. In that case you typically don't need to brace it necessarily and you know return to activity can be fairly quick when you start to get into Um, situations where you actually can see some damage to the ligament on the MRI, like some of the fibers disrupted partially that gets into a grade two. And then sometimes people wear braces and that can take six to eight weeks to get back. Um, And, you know, I I would surmise from what they're putting out that it's not like a grade three tear, which would involve like a complete disruption of the ligament and, you know, sometimes leads to surgery. And obviously much longer recovery so uh i think all of us are hoping that it's a simple grade one tear and it's more of a symptomatic thing than anything else
4: well maybe we'll learn before monday maybe not but uh doc it's always uh always a pleasure to talk to you enjoy the rest of your weekend man all right thank you you guys as well thank you very much um my mouse is frozen there dan Wilson. Oh, here we go go. okay not sure what happened there but there you go okay all right, let's let's uh, let's get a call. We'll talk some Sixers at the top of the hour. Sure. But uh, Art has been hanging in. Art, what's on your mind?
0: Well,
9: I just uh, wanted to talk about the, uh, the draft picks. Look, Howie Roseman is a genius. He really is terrific. I'm very happy with them two picks. But I don't think that he should have traded up. He lost the pick there. And with that pick, we could have got that quarterback out of – Uh, Kentucky, it's good to have three quarterbacks. That guy is terrific. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about, wait, wait,
0: hold on, Art, hold on a second. You're suggesting that with the pick that the Eagles gave up so they could move up to get Jalen Carter, that they were going to draft Will Levis from Kentucky?
9: No, no, no. You take them two picks we had. That guy from Kentucky went late. They could have got him after they took them two picks. Why would you after take a quarterback the
4: third, in the first round when you just signed your quarterback to a two hundred and fifty nah, million nah, dollar it's deal? It's not in
9: the first round. It's not in the first round. Why would you round? take one we in the second it. round? What are you
4: talking about? You don't. Well, you don't.
9: Wait, hold it, hold it, hold it. What do you mean? Hold it. Listen, what's wrong with having three quarterbacks?
0: There, there's there's nothing wrong with having three quarterbacks, Art. What what I would suggest is. Style really, really matters when Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback. That's why Marcus Mariota is the backup that the Eagles went and signed because he's a mobile quarterback. He can run a reasonable iteration of the offense if Jalen were to get hurt. That was an issue last year with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew does some things pretty well. What he can't do as well as Jalen Hurts is run the ball and recreate the offense that the Eagles run with Hurts. So the idea of taking Will Levis, who's a drop back kind of conventional quarterback, in the second round to be doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's
4: also an, you know how you how you use your resources right, here, right? right? You you have needs on this team. You needed to address the defensive line. You needed to address the offensive line. You need starters and future players somewhere. You got a 24 year old quarterback who's going to be there for a long time. Listen, I agree. Having a real solid backup is good, and having a developmental quarterback is good. You know what you'd have to pay Will Levis to sit on the bench looking at Jalen Hurts?
0: Yeah, look, it's not the same situation as it was a couple of years ago when they took Hurts with Wentz, right? Like it yeah, was Went, an ego issue. Well, A, it was an ego issue, and B, Wentz had already shown a tendency to miss time with injuries, right? He had gotten through his rookie season uh, okay, but then in 17 and 18, he had missed time. And then in 19, in the playoff game, he had suffered a concussion. So there was a reason to say, hey, we need – you can make an argument. We need to draft a backup quarterback. We need to get somebody in here who could play if Wentz gets hurt again. That's not the situation right now with Jalen Hurts. It's uh, just not.
4: No, that was that was foolish. All right, interesting uh, perspective here from a guy I know, Doc Terry, who's a longtime listener to the show. Okay, And a veterinarian for exotic animals. If ever you have a macaw that needs uh, – Okay. He's got mange. <laughs> what,
0: I have no exo- exotic animals and in my home. snakes,
4: and it's, it's, that's what he is. He's a vet for the, all these things.
0: The, the only two exotic animals I have in my home are named Evan and Gabe. Right. They're nine <laughs> and six or yeah, whatever right. they are.
4: Okay. Anyway, he says um, th- this is in regard to when we're talking about watching the draft. He said, you know, a lot of us drop cable. ABC is the only way we can watch. There's, right. There is that. And he said, sadly, when the advertisement that the special moment when a player gets his name called comes up, Mm -hmm. uh, they decided to go to an interview with an SNL star, which is interesting because SNL is not on ABC, but maybe a former SNL star. was too important to cut back to the draft. They lost me. Wow. So as much as we're ripping ESPN – for getting into the sports votainment and losing the narrative, I guess uh, ABC, which I haven't watched for a second, is doing it even
0: more. Yeah, I haven't watched a minute of the draft on ABC. So there you go. All right, 215
4: 592 94 94 coming up. Let's work the Sixers into it. A little Phillies conversation, too, uh, and take your calls, Mike Seal. And by the way, the draft is about to resume. So. Mm-hmm. Dan Wilson is doesn't even know it yet, but he's going to keep his eye on all the picks and give us the reports as they come out. All of these fourth-round linebackers and punters and all that good stuff. All the
0: prospective Tom Brady's.
4: Dan it happened Oh, so you know what they're going to? You know how they start the broadcast today? right?
0: Oh, we just saw it. They, oh, I missed it. They is that showed. Right? you know it's the 3rd day of the draft and remember tom brady was right. taken in the 6th round and isaiah pacheco was right. taken all in the 7th all these
4: and- guys right they want you to watch they're exactly. going to show you the diamonds in the rough the
2: yeah. real story is these are guys who are going to be involved in stupid football bets down the line <laughs> So these, go, these are going to be returners this and going to
0: screw up the Ralph our, our meat and potatoes. Why, why do you hurt me, Dan? By the
4: way, Dan, one me? more time, let's discuss how much fun we had at Ralph's Restaurant on Mike's uh, bill. It was, it was a blast. It yeah. was
0: great. It was a wonderful night, and I was happy to do it. I was not happy to lose the bet, but I was happy to arrange an evening where we could spend some quality time together and eat a lot of great food.
4: Good times were had by all. 215 592 9494, Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. And it's time for me to tell you if you are dealing, tired of dealing with those old inefficient houses windows in your house, maybe it's time to go Gaida. How about that drafty beat up looking entry door that you've painted over more times you can count? Well, go Gaida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Gaida. What about that sliding patio door? The garage door you've been meaning to replace, go Gaida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, to help get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay it off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Now, restrictions apply offers for a limited time. What are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow 94 WIP. So there's there's another Eagles story that's kind of uh fell between the cracks, I think, uh during the draft. Yes, I would agree. Uh because right before the draft happens, it turns out that the Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals agreed to a deal which was based on the Eagles filing a grievance that the Cardinals um, had tampered during the process of hiring Jonathan Gannon as their head coach Mm -hmm. and that this occurred during the run-up to the Super Bowl, which, by the way, several Eagle players said that he was distracted. Yes.
0: Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did not hold back. He did not. In his evaluation of Jonathan Gannon's performance and preparation.
4: Yeah, and and listen, the Eagles' defense was terrible in the Super Bowl. I don't know how much of that is on Jonathan Gannon. They fell for the same play multiple times, which suggests both players and coaching weren't ready to adjust for it. Um, But what happens is in, like, moments leading up to the draft, Jeff Lurie and and Bidwell, Arizona's uh, owner, settle essentially on a third rounder. I'm not sure. Was that Sidney Brown or was that Steen? Uh, Whatever. But essentially the Eagles get one of those guys, give back later Mm -hmm. picks, uh, Marcus Hayes wrote, I thought, a pretty powerful column on it for you guys over at the Inquirer. What's your
0: thoughts on all this? So Marcus citing source, is citing sources saying that Gannon was giddy at a after party at the team hotel in Phoenix, uh, that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman are not happy with Gannon in the aftermath of all of this. Um, I, it's rare to find a, an assistant coach in Philadelphia, even one of the Eagles, who has, is, who has been as polarizing and controversial as Jonathan Gannon was. Mm-hmm. My take on him was he was a pretty good defensive coordinator who was obviously very ambitious and very obviously didn't see himself as being the Eagles defensive coordinator for very long. I've mentioned this before, what really irked me and to me gave an insight into him a little bit was that after the Super Bowl loss, James Bradbury called for the holding penalty that we all remember, stood there and answered question after question. And other members of the defense answered question after question about that performance that led to the loss. And Jonathan Gannon never did. He was moving on to his next job, to his interview with the Cardinals. And that, to me, rang poorly. It just showed, mm-hmm. hey, stand up for your guys. These have been your guys for the last two years. You got to the Super Bowl. D- don't speed out the door. He did. It,
4: it was really like the Super Bowl ends, and they were in the locker room. And his, yeah, as you as you said, you, I remember, you, want, you were upset, wanted to write about it. I did. I did write about yeah, it. He's got the suitcases packed, and he's booking a
0: plane. Right. And so seeing and hearing what Marcus has reported and written uh, seems to me to fit with a guy who would do what he did in the aftermath of that game. So am I happy? Look, do I know Jonathan Gannon really, really well? No, I don't. Am I upset that he's no longer the Eagles defensive coordinator? No, I am not. Good luck to you in Arizona. We'll see how you do. Uh, And good riddance.
4: Yeah, and then he went to Arizona and complained that Eagle fans were mean to him. Yeah. And media were mean to
0: him. Yeah. Look, just uh, you know. I don't
4: I don't well, it's sports. So you can root for failure because it's sports. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, I you mean can. it's like I don't root for people to fail in life. I don't want his marriage to fall apart and him to declare unemployment and all those things, but if Jonathan Gannon fizzles out as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, I'm entirely okay with that.
0: Yeah, it's fine. I'm not I, I'm honestly not going to spend a whole lot of time thinking about Jonathan Gannon. They're genuine villains, so to speak, in Philadelphia sports that have been over the years. I don't look at Gannon as a villain. I just look at him as somebody who is really, really ambitious and kind of willing to do whatever he needs to do
4: to get the All job. right. Apparently, as there is some Eagles trade news occurring even as we Breaking speak. Oh,
0: news. Wow.
2: Yeah, so the Houston Texans have traded pick 105. That is the third pick of the fourth round here today. So the Eagles will be on the clock in three picks. And the Eagles trade a 2024 third round pick. Oh, so the Eagles are up just a couple of The Eagles picks are away. up three picks.
4: Sweet. We thought we'd go the whole show and get nothing. Wow. Okay. So the
2: Eagles will pick live on the show.
4: I love it. And they get, see, the thing is the Eagles have a ton of picks next year because they've, they've made trades for those and they're going to get some comp- compensatory picks right. for all the free agents they lost. So now they're back in. All right, ready? Here's my prediction Go. Cornerback. I forget his first name. Ringo.
0: Oh, from Georgia. From Georgia. A kid from Georgia. Because you
4: need a kid from Georgia.
0: Yeah, there's there's another name that they really like. Um, uh, you're
4: not going to react to my Ringo from Georgia thing? I, I was expecting much more from you.
0: Ringo from Georgia? Well,
4: first of all, his name is Ringo, and you're the kind of guy who would make 18 jokes about that. I am? Either Johnny Ringo, Ringo Starr. Come on, his name is Ringo. <laughs> it's Keely Second. Ringo, by the way, is his full name. Uh, thank
0: you. Yeah. Second of all... Every time I see be the your face, fifth guy from Georgia, it reminds me of the places we used to go, Glenn.
4: <laughs> oh, that's, wasn't very good, but you try. Who's the guy you think they like?
0: Uh, what's his name? Um, I need to be able to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, it's kind of scuttlebutt on Twitter. Where is it? Shoot, 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 shoot. Um, oh, begins with an A. Right, let well, me find it. let me talk to Jim.
4: We'll talk to Jim in Northern Liberties first. Jim, what's on oh. your mind today?
0: Well, I would love
8: to see the Eagles defense wearing some of those red jersey, um, yeah. Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe identify That's right. these guys. Um, my question is really about Nicole Dean and what his role will be. Um, so, uh, we've got a history of great linebackers, by the way, and I'll just mention Jeremiah Trotter here. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's TJ going back had, a ways now. Get, yeah, a long time. You know and, how far
4: it's going back? It's going back so far that the other night Ike was joking when we were doing the draft show that the Eagles are about two years away from drafting Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I hope you heard that laugh. That would be Um, pretty good.
8: um, So, anyway, but what T.J. Edwards did for this team, and uh, you're going to have to help me. I mean, he got paid and went to another team. And prior to him, the guy that went to Denver – Help me. The middle linebacker went to Denver with...
4: Yeah. yeah uh, gosh, I'm going a blank, too, as you say it. Yes. Yeah. Go on.
8: Okay, but the, what is what is N'Kobe Dean's role here? And, um, you know, I know it's a team sport, and was he covered by all these other guys? And
0: Alex Singleton.
8: Alex Singleton. Thank you. Um, and, and, You're I, asking
4: what futures did N'Kobe Dean have? Yeah. They and, were so... And, listen, they were... And thanks. They were so high on him last year. Um... I think he can be your middle linebacker I, I to the degree that they use a middle linebacker. Yeah,
0: they, they don't view the position as particularly valuable, for lack of a better way of putting it. Now, that might change over time. Uh, one of the reasons I asked Ross Tucker about the Falcons' willingness to draft Bijan Robinson so high is that the Falcons are really trying to smash teams in the face by running the football. And if that's the case and that becomes more of a trend— then linebackers may come to matter more, but at this stage, I don't think they look at Nicobe Dean as anyone other than okay. He can, he might be able to start for us this season, and uh, beyond that, we'll see.
4: All right, you know what? Let's go to break because we think we get back, we'll get the Eagles pick live on the air. So we'll go to break now. Okay, 94-94. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now ninety four WIP. All right, so here's what's going on now. The Eagles traded up into the fourth round with Houston Texans. Houston Texans have done a lot this draft, It's been eventful. The, been eventful. It has, and I kind of like what they did in the first round, but we'll see if we get a chance to talk that or not. Uh, they have The Eagles have the third pick of the fourth round, which is now the next pick, uh, number 105 in the draft, and in return they gave a 2024 fourth-rounder? third rounder, third rounder okay i would think so because their third rounder and houston's fourth rounder are going to be about the same pick so figure the eagles do well next year they gave like pick 90 next year or so for pick 105 this year it is the next pickup all right mike sealski give me a position that that's this pick's going to be
0: defensive end i think is one to look at Okay, uh, they are apparently high on northwestern defensive end named and i'm going to I'm going to apologize. Try not to butcher this pronunciation. Uh, But his name is Aditamiwa Aditbare. Oh, gosh. Yeah. See, Uh, the
4: fact that they've taken Carter, Smith, Brown, Steen. These are names that I can spell without consulting anything. uh, I, I like the trend of taking guys I don't need spell check.
0: I, I just I, I want to apologize to our listeners because I didn't watch enough Northwestern football this past fall to know how to correctly pronounce this kid's name. He is six foot two, two hundred eighty pound defensive end. Uh, he's from uh, Kansas City originally, so he may get a huge ovation when, if and when the Eagles pick him. Uh, But that's apparently someone that they're taking a good, long look at. Okay.
4: Uh, Well, we'll we'll see. I I think they're going to go the cornerback. It's funny. They just put up the best available players. And the kid from Northwestern that you said is listed, if you trust Mel Kuyper, as the number one best available player. And the kid Ringo, the cornerback from Georgia, is listed as the second best. I I wouldn't mind a running back.
0: I wouldn't mind a running back either. Uh, They're going to need to take one. But, again, that's a position like we talked about you can get in the six-second All right, so
4: here you go. Somebody's coming up to the podium. I do not. It is a woman. Let's, uh, let's go Officer
7: Dawn Aponte.
8: With the
9: 105th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia
4: Eagles select Keely Ringo, <laughs> defensive back, Georgia. i going to personally. Well, Mike Sealski, I win another stupid football bet. What do we bet on that? Uh, A new car?
0: And there I was sweating the pronunciation of the <laughs> Northwestern defensive end, and they didn't even take them. Come they, on, guys.
4: This is the greatest thing in the world. They take another kid from Three Georgia.
0: Three kids from Georgia in one draft.
4: Go And two last year. They now have five Georgia players on their defense. Uh, we're looking at the TVs being hugged by all the – there you go. Just play that. Fly,
0: I, Eagles, fly right into that, baby. I, I, I'm waiting for the text message from my bosses at the Inquirer to announce that we have opened an Athens-Georgia yeah. bureau of the Inquirer. There
4: you go. It's nice down there this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Keeley Ringo, do me a favor. Dan Wilson, look up and get us a scouting report on Keeley Ringo because you you'll, you'll be quicker at that than we do. It,
0: it sounds like you like Keeley Ringo more than you like Keeley from Ted Lasso. I can't stand Achilles from Ted Lasso. That's
4: true, but I haven't. You you've told me that I should be keeping up on. I haven't. You should. yes. I know. I've been kind of busy, but I will. I'll get to it at some point soon. Uh, 66 career tackles, four interceptions, 18 pass breakups. That doesn't really mean a whole lot to me, uh, but it's just they, whoever whoever the Eagles could have saved a lot on their scouting budget because they really need one scout. Just That's go to right. Georgia and hang, rent an apartment.
0: <laughs> it's amazing, and it shifted over time from Al. I mean, they took an Alabama kid this year, but. For a couple of years there, it was Devonte Smith, it was Landon Dickerson, and now it's Georgia and Kirby Smart's yeah. program. So, uh, hey, All look, right. they needed a cornerback. They did. They they absolutely needed to get someone in their pipeline with the possibility that he could step in and replace either Darius Slay or James Bradbury at some point next, as early as next season, perhaps. So. Uh, that's what you look – to me, Glenn, that's what you look at in a draft is not necessarily did you get a good player, is the guy going to work out, because nobody really knows that. What you look for is are there positions that you needed to address in the long term or the relative short term, and did you address them? And they seem to be doing
4: that. kid's got tears running down his eyes. That's great. Yeah, but it's great. Uh, they're surrounded by his family, Scottsdale, Arizona. Dan Wilson, what do we know? Yeah, so he's 6'2",
2: 205 pounds, and – just quickly reading about him. This kid is fast. Uh, he was a five-star recruit and a 2020 All-American Bowl participant. He was rated as the best cornerback uh, in his class, and he's quoted or he's described as an unreal athlete. Uh, he competed and dominated track and field as a sprinter. Uh, he displayed world-class speed with the best 100 and 200-meter times in the entire state of Arizona, uh, and he had better times than DK Metcalf in both of those events. Uh, and he's considered an athletically gifted cornerback, Rarely beaten in a vertical foot race, so it seems like the Eagles uh, got a speedster on their hands there in the secondary.
4: Like it. Like he's, it a lot. He's only 20. Well, and the thing— Really? Yeah. And the thing is, he's not going to Redshirt sophomore, yeah. Yeah, he's not going to have to play, right? You have right. two—I mean, he'll, whatever, be the third, the fourth guy. He, he's maybe a little special teams. Mm-hmm. But maybe inactive. Yeah. Right? He may be a redshirt for the Eagles this year.
0: Look, we go through this every year to a certain degree. There are obviously going to be guys— who any team takes, who are going to step in and play right away. We saw that two years ago with Devontae Smith. He was, boom, immediately the best wide receiver on the roster. Look at last year, though. I mean, there were expectations for Jordan Davis that he would come in and see more snaps and, you know, have to be right. part of the – right regular part of the rotation with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave in the defensive line, and he gets hurt, and he kind of has a redshirt year in a lot of ways. So we don't know what the Eagles are going to get from these guys this year, but – that's okay. Like yeah. you're in a position to be able to draft guys and redshirt them to a oh certain degree. I
4: got I got Rob Delco with an immediate reaction to Keeley Ringo. Rob, what do we know?
0: Yeah. hey Glenn, hey Mike, how you guys doing?
9: Hey Good. Rob. Listen, I was telling I was telling Dan you got to look at the the Georgia website. They put out a picture of like the Eagles with the G in the middle, like in the in the shape of like the Georgia G, and and uh, they got all the four players. Well oh, now, wait. There was three. Now there's four, right? We took four now, right? With the draft, there's four guys. Well, over three there. this year, three. five overall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, five. They got now. We'll have to change it. They had the four guys up. The, the the one, you know, from last year and this year. Now they're going to add to it. I'm sure and they will change it. But it's a great, great picture to the web their website put out. But um, two things I want to mention real fast. We should be worried about what the Eagles are doing on defense. Dak Prescott, that stiff Daniel Jones that's getting forty forty five million a year. And whoever the bum is that's going to be in that dumpster fire in Washington. <laughs> They're guys that should be worried about what the Eagles are drafted. Um, and, and I got a, a quick comment. It's a joke. But do they got a punter? We no. need a punter.
4: They don't have a punter, and, and you don't need to get a punter today, but they do need to get a punter. Their punter was awful
0: yeah, last year. Yeah, Aaron Sipos was not
4: good. Terrible, and right up through and including the Super Bowls. So right. But they do y- need to get a punter. You're
0: not going to draft a punter. You can sign a punter, and that's and that'll be fine. Yeah, but, if, if they but, had
4: five, seven-round picks, and there was somebody there worth
0: doing it. Yeah, it's so. a good point, though, that you, have, you do have to look around the division and say, okay, how do the Eagles compare to the other teams in the NFC East? And I think you have to feel pretty good uh, when you do have the Giants – Committing as much money and as much time to Daniel Jones, and you have the situation in Washington, which, you know, now that Daniel Snyder is no longer going to be owning that team, probably promises to get better and a little more challenging for the Eagles, even if it's your favorite Josh uh, Harris. Josh
4: Harris may be He's outbid. Ah, that. it's a shame if a billionaire gets outbid. <laughs> I'll be so brokenhearted. Two one five, five ninety two, ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, Saturday on ninety-four WIP. And are you sick and tired of dealing with those old inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time to go guide-a. How About that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door that you painted over more times you can count? Well, go Guida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Guida. And what about that sliding patio door or the garage door you've been meaning to replace? Go Gaida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go guide it with the great people at Guida Door and Window. To help get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay it back interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your projects interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. Hey, what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go, Guida, Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven 877 go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. Um. Hey, Mike sealski before we get back to the phones and uh, get back to talking about both the uh, Eagles, we got to get the Sixers in here. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you got going on the rest of
0: today? I am departing straight from the studio and going to Wayne, Pennsylvania, to Main Point Books. Oh, I know that. It's a good place. It's a great place. They are That's celebra- my uh, nape
4: of the neck, as it, they say.
0: It is. And uh, they are celebrating their 10th anniversary, and they're having uh, several local authors come in and sign copies of their books and hang around and... So I'll be there from 2 to 4, signing copies of The Rise, my book about Kobe Bryant.
4: Which, by the way, is a terrific book, and I would not say that if I didn't think so. I was Thanks. I was really impressed by that. 2 to 4, you will be in Wayne, PA. Correct. At the, uh, main point points. Main point. Yeah.
0: Good. So c- come on by. Buy a book. We'll talk about the draft. All right. And, all and then
4: stuff. after you go to that, if you uh, want, swing by uh, Conjoc and Brewing Company, 739 East Elm Street, in Conshohocken, it's our ninth anniversary party. Awesome. Happy birthday. Thank you. The brewery has uh, been around for nine years, so we got all kinds of fun things going there, including a couple of releases today. One is a Mexican stout with lime, which is going to be pretty Ooh. cool. One of them is a collaboration we did with Asher's Chocolates. It's a uh, chocolate pretzel beer. Oh, my gosh. And the third one, and I am delighted for this because it's uh, money for it, goes to charity, the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. It's Fransky NLA Bedlam at the Bank Golden Ale.
0: Uh, between that and the. Uh, Today's the day. Between that and the Ring the Bell Pilsner. Uh, yeah, you're a fan, I know. Ah, uh, big fan. Yeah. Big fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager to try the Golden Ale.
4: So if you want to be the first on your block to get the Fransky NLA Bedlam at the Bank Golden Ale and help out a charity, come on by today. Uh, I'm going to be there most of the afternoon, 739 East Elm Street in Conchi. Dan Wilson, what do you got the rest of the day? You're probably working here. I'm here. you in f- the game? Uh, no, I'm here until 4 o'clock. Philly's
2: first pitch at 510. I'll be headed home and probably just watching sports. Got some baseball.
4: Got some NBA on tonight. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong right with sorry. that. Not at all. All right. Let's talk to Matt in Queens Village. Hello, Matt.
3: Hey, how's it going, guys?
9: All Great right. show. Thanks. Love you guys. Thank,
4: Thank you, you, Matt.
3: Um, So, I just wanted to say, the Philadelphia Bulldogs
9: are going to roll next year. (laughs) You know,
4: somebody's going to be really clever and create some kind of artistic design that puts... Oh, it's already happened. Oh, is that right?
7: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's so many people just manipulating the logo.
4: Yeah.
3: It's green. It's great. I love it. I do, too. Dogs, in the literal sense, Yeah, they are dogs. Yep. I'm so happy with this draft. I think it's just been such a turn the past five years. You got, you know, we go from drafting Jalen Rager, trading up for Jalen Rager, to get some of the two
0: best defensive prospects in this draft.
4: Hey, I love your excitement. Go ahead. No,
0: I was just going to say, and I think it's funny how much this has turned, Matt, where, and we mentioned this earlier in the show, the B. John Robinson issue was at the forefront of everybody's mind, and yet here we are the Eagles have taken three players from the def- two-time defending national championship defense and everybody's feeling really good about it uh, I mean there are questions don't get don't misunderstand this there there are questions and there should be but uh, I think in general if you're gonna judge a uh, draft fairly you say to yourself did the team get players at places that they needed to get players you know it
4: really helped people cope with the Dijon disappointment what he was taken before they got the chance. Yeah, yeah. If, they didn't if, pass him up. Right. If it had been pick 10 and they had passed him up, wow, here's here's an interesting, I'll ask you, Ooh. Psycholo- psychology of the Philadelphia sports. Okay. If he had been there at pick 10 and Jalen Carter had been there at pick 10 wow. and the Eagles picked Jalen Carter or pick 9, you know, mm-hmm. trade up, mm-hmm. would the fan base be placated because, hey, I got Jalen Carter, the best defensive player rankings of anybody in the draft, or it's like, yeah, but we wanted Dijon.
0: I think maybe maybe I'm reading this too deeply. I think there would have been a segment of the fan base that would have looked at taking <clears throat> Jalen Carter over Bijan Robinson and said, why would we take that risk on that kid who had issues? All the people that you and I are hearing from saying. There's no problem with Jalen Carter. <laughs> you know, what are you worried about? The Eagles right. will handle how this. How dare you
4: even bring that up? Right. There's a lot of how dare you even bring that up.
0: Exactly. Would would turn around and say, why would you take this kid with all this risk when B. John Robinson is a star and you could run the ball with him? Uh, let me ask you a uh,
4: an ethics, journalism ethics question. Okay. Because you're the guy who actually practices journalistic ethics. Try to. I used to do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There was a decent amount of blowback on social media from a segment of the fan base that was upset and thought it was disrespectful for people to ask Jalen Carter about his legal problems and perceived character issues on draft night or bring it up in questioning to Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. Uh, Your thoughts. My thoughts are... Because you engaged with these people. Yeah, for I do a little sakes. bit. Don't, I do a little. I'm trying that. to fight
0: the good fight, and no. I'm tilting no, at windmills not, and you're all you're that stuff. you to win that fight. I know. I know. Look, you have to ask the question. You have to. And uh, I put this out on social media, and I believe it. I, I don't work for the Eagles. I cover the Eagles. And that means asking questions that I think people want answered. It means raising issues sometimes that are uncomfortable. And... When you draft a player who has been involved in a drag racing incident that led to the deaths of two people, you have an obligation to ask about that. You just do. Now, that doesn't mean that Jalen Carter is necessarily a terrible human being. It doesn't mean anything about what kind of player or person he might yet develop into over time but it does mean you have to ask the question. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I came up in the business, and I understand why Eagles fans may not like that, but it comes with the job.
4: All right. Moving on. The Sixers back in action. You remember the Sixers. Who? They used to play basketball before the – how long have they been off? At least a week. Yeah. Yeah. Since last Saturday. Okay. Yeah. So it is a week, and they will be off nine days because they will be back on Monday, and it's a good thing in the sense that – Joel Embiid has the opportunity to get healthy, Mm -hmm. we hope. We haven't gotten still no information. Nope. Okay. Uh, And James Harden had some opportunity to enjoy and relax and go to Vegas?
0: Went to Las Vegas, ended up on TMZ.
4: Uh, All right. Which some people are very upset about. I think you and I are not. I'll let you express that one.
0: No. This is what you signed up for when you traded for James Harden. Everybody knows that he has a robust social life and... (laughs) That's a nice way to put it. He had a few days off in between these games, and for someone who is a high-profile, multi-million-dollar-earning professional athlete, going to Las Vegas for a couple of days is the functional equivalent of what I'm going to do with my family tomorrow, which is hop on New Jersey Transit and go up to New York for the day. So do I, am I surprised by this? No. Do I think that this is something people ought to be concerned about? Not really, because it doesn't change who Harden has been as a player since he got here, which is to say, whether he goes to Las Vegas or not, he's still having trouble elevating at the rim and finishing a layup. Yeah. So going this, is, this
4: will not impact that one way or the other. This isn't going to have any effect on that yeah. one, one way or another. Yeah, the video of him slapping the guy was not really good, but I guess the guy was a friend of his or yeah, something. It's like that's yeah. their business. He wasn't He wasn't engaging with like a stranger and – Right, You know, doing doing something illegal. He was having an issue with a friend of his. Uh, and, yeah, I, to me, if he went to – kind of off your point, if he went to Vegas or Atlantic City, t- to me, I, I don't have the opportunity. He does. Whatever. Do yeah. it. Just I, play well. That's all I care. I,
0: I think this gets to something about Philadelphia sports fans that has been true over time, Glenn, which is that they want their athletes to care as much as they, the fans, do. Oh, yeah. And in their minds – some of their minds, not all of them, James Harden should be like a monk between the end of the Nets series and the beginning (laughs) of the Celtics series. you said,
4: that's not the guy you traded for. Right, (laughs) that's not the
0: guy you got. And so I think they naturally see a, a player like James Harden enjoying himself between playoff series and say, why isn't he getting in shape to play the Celtics? We might not have Joel Embiid. The Celtics defend Tyrese Maxey better than most teams. We need James to be at his best, and he's going in, off to Las Vegas.
4: All right, let's make the pick for that series, Sixers against the Celtics. Uh, during the season, the Celtics won the first three times they played. The Sixers managed to win the fourth. Of course, the Celtics didn't play a whole bunch of guys in that game. Um, so the Sixers have a tough time. By the way, they have played. I, I feel like they played every year. 2018, Sixers knocked uh, the Celtics, excuse me, knocked the Sixers mm-hmm. out. What was that 4-1, to one, I think? Yep, five games. And then they played two years later at Disney World in the bubble, right. which was, you know, Ben Simmons' first disappearance.
0: Right. He wasn't. He didn't play. Yeah. He didn't, didn't play. play. Okay. So, so
4: now it's three years later, and you still have the main guys on the team. It's still Joel Embiid. Uh, f- it's still uh, Tobias Harris for Boston. It's still Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Uh, Al Horford has switched teams yes. a couple times in the interim. And here and Tyrese Maxey, of course, and Harden for the Sixers. Lay out the official prediction.
0: Well, you mentioned that the one time the Sixers beat the Celtics this season, the Celtics had a couple of guys, a couple of key players who didn't play. You also left out the fact that to beat that shorthanded Celtics team that night, the Sixers needed Joel Embiid to score 52 yeah. points and pull down 13 rebounds yeah, was, and have maybe his great. best game of the season. <laughs> he was great. And he has a knee injury yeah. that has his status in doubt.
4: So, oh God, here we are again.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not particularly optimistic about their chances. I think it's going to take James Harden and Tyrese Maxey playing at a level uh, beyond even what Maxey played at against the Nets in the first round. He was really good for most of that series. The problem is the Celtics have players on the perimeter who give the Sixers perimeter guys trouble, uh, and it's not a good matchup, I take the Celtics in six.
4: Yeah. I'll take the Celtics in seven because I don't want the Sixers to lose on their home court. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll say that the Sixers, down three to two, managed to scrounge out a win on the home court in next, I don't know, game six is probably four weeks from now, Mm -hmm. but however long the pace of this thing is. And then they go back to Boston, and we all get excited because the Sixers have the chance to win it, and then the Celtics crush your heart in Game 7, which is what the Celtics usually do.
0: The, the I don't know if it's fitting or ironic, Glenn, but think back for a second. The Sixers had a seven-game series in the second round against the Celtics in 2012. Yeah. When the Celtics remember that were, were kind of at the end of their run with Garnett and yep. Pierce and yep. Ray Allen. Fright night. Yeah, and the Sixers took them to seven games, And in the aftermath of that, the organization said, you know what, we're just not good enough. Yeah, that was it. And they took a run at Andrew Bynum, and it didn't work, and then they broke it all down and started the process. And here we are 11 years later, Yeah. and if they don't win this series, and I don't think they will, they're going to have some hard decisions to make in this offseason about who comes back and where they take the, the organization and what the roster looks like and all of that stuff. Sounds
4: like what you're saying, without using the words, is that Mike Sealski, process believer, (laughs) is ready to declare the process null and void.
0: I think the process was null and void the instant Sam Henke left. I really do. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I Uh, I really do.
4: That's the one that the process servers, where you can never lose, because if Sam was here, it would have been different.
0: Well, I don't know how different it would have been, better or worse. I just know that. They'd still the, be trading for second-round picks. Maybe. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I just know he was a better general manager than Brian Colangelo and his huge collars and his burner accounts. Yeah, but you got the guy now. You like the him? Guy now, the guy now good. Okay. The guy now's good.
4: Yeah. Huge collars and burner. <laughs> that is what it was, a time, man. No, well, it was. It was a time, man. It was a time. It was weird. Yeah, okay. Joe in Moorestown is with us. Wants to talk some. Uh, Keeley Ringo. What do you think, Joe?
5: Hey, yeah, I wanted to get both your
4: takes on, do you think the Eagles
5: are planning to convert Ringo to uh, to a safety? It feels like we need better safeties for the immediate. Like, obviously, I love that they're young and they're building behind Bradbury and Slay. Uh, What's do you his think size? That be able to he's 6'2". Yeah.
0: He's 6'2", Joe, but he's also 20 years old. And, you know, I don't know that the Eagles – I know in general – but I, and I certainly don't think for this draft, they're necessarily looking to draft someone to plug in and play safety out of this draft right away. Now, it's possible because Ringo has the size to do it that down the road, maybe they could play him at safety. He's young. He doesn't turn 21 until June. So, there's the possibility for growth. But to say that they're picking him and maybe they can play him at safety this season, I would that would surprise me. I think, that, that
4: yeah, this one goes slow. Um by the way, one thing with the Sixers Celtics, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks lost. Yeah. Yeah. In a shocker. And so it does make the road to the NBA finals a little bit easier. who's gonna win the next round over there? The Knicks? Knicks Heat.
0: Knicks yeah. heat. You're you know bet what? A- I'm not betting against Jimmy You're Butler. You're gonna bet against Yeah, uh, never bet against Jimmy Butler, man. Jimmy Coffee? You're gonna bet against he's, him?
4: He's a month. <laughs> man, I wish he'd stay. The there.
0: the gap between the player that he is in the regular season yeah. and the player he is in the postseason yeah. is so wide get him and for so that. amazing, Yeah, it's it's really hard to imagine. Yep. He, he puts the lie to all the analytical arguments that a guy is just who he is, no matter when he plays or what the circumstances are. That guy takes his game to an entirely new level once the spring rolls away. All right, so the... <laughs> hey, there you go.
4: I'm, and he I, lets I'm everyone know him. it. Yeah, yeah okay. That, S- d-
0: Tobias is a good player,
4: though. He's fine. He's Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler. So um, there was obviously surprise, disappointment when Milwaukee loses. And uh, post-game newser Giannis Antetokounmpo mm-hmm. is asked. The, do we have the – okay. You set up the question because I don't think we have the whole thing.
0: Yeah. So uh, a writer who covers the Milwaukee Bucks regularly for The Athletic, I believe asked Giannis – you lost in five games to the Miami Heat, who were a play-in team. Is this season a failure? Do you consider this season a failure? And apparently this, this writer had asked Giannis a similar question the year before, and this is how Giannis answered it.
6: Um,
2: Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me? No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sport's about. You don't always win. Some other other people's going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to um, play better, not have a 10 days stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship.
4: I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think that is the kind of mini-speech that I would happily play to my 11-year-old and 8-year-old sons. Oh. To give them a lesson about how to handle adversity. So you support. Well, let me finish. I think it is the wrong thing for a major professional athlete to say that there is no failure in sports. There is failure in sports, especially at that level. And one of the challenges of competing is learning how to handle that failure and learning how to overcome it. But you cannot argue to me that the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the odds-on favorite to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals and maybe even win the championship with a team who has Giannis Antetokounmpo, best player in the NBA, you cannot argue to me that losing in the first round to the Miami Heat in five games is not a failure. Sorry.
4: Yeah, on the one hand, I love it kind of for the depth of thought, okay? I mean, he's a, he's such a smart guy, yep. and it's an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like, look, we gave our all and we didn't win. I can't bask in the misery of it. On the other hand, I agree with you that it's the last thing that fans want to hear from a team. And if it happened in our town, we'd go nuts. We, yeah. you, you talked earlier about, you know, the, the, the fans want the players to care as much as them. Well, this is that. Yeah, You know, the fans in Milwaukee are Going into mourning at that point because they thought, Hey, we're the best team, we have the best team in the league. We could win, we could get a parade here in Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, and the and the other dynamic too, Glenn, is there was a lot of praise for Giannis for this on social media, on Twitter in particular, a lot of kind of signing on for the wonderfulness of what he said. And I forget who pointed this out, but it was it was a good point. Could Giannis have said this if he and the Bucs had not won a championship two years ago?
4: No. Which, and I think that kind of when he, he points to Michael Jordan. Yeah. Right? Michael Jordan won six championships. The years he didn't win, it was a failure. The fact that you won one makes it a lot easier. Right. Right? If you if if you hadn't won one, and again, fans don't want to hear it. They're waiting for it. They're living for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a year, and this is not directly off of his point, but kind of more uh, early when I'm doing the show. This is back when the Flyers actually used to make the playoffs. So <laughs> we're going back at least a decade. Okay. Right? This, this was still – I think this was still like, you know, Lindros, Brindamore, LeClaire, like that mm-hmm. good team. And they lost. Then they get eliminated from the playoffs. And the next day, you know, we're all on and we're all depressed. And and there's a story that the Flyers ended up in Atlantic City and were down in Atlantic mm-hmm. City at 3 in the morning. And people were really uh, – I uh, can't say that word. Tick, steamed off about that. Ticked off, yeah. Ticked off about that because it's like – what do you mean? They went down and had a good time in Atlantic City. Well, we're home suffering, right? And people don't want to hear. It. By the way, I don't know if it was any of the players whose names I just mentioned. I'm just saying that was the, the that was the, right. the year of the franchise. Uh, could have been the backup goalie for all I remember, but yeah, fans don't want to hear that. You know, hey, it's sports. Somebody wins, somebody loses.
0: Yeah, and, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting discussion to have now. I think because, and I don't know if there are any parents of young kids listening to this or parents of teenagers but there is a feeling more and more uh, that young people are putting and more and more young people are putting more and more pressure on themselves to succeed in whatever it is that they do you know we we talk a lot in our society about the concern of about uh, trophy cult, you know trophy culture and participation awards and those sorts of things and there's some truth in that but there's also truth in kids feeling an inordinate amount of pressure to succeed in school or on the playing field or things like that. And so within that context, I think what Giannis said is really smart and really instructive. I just don't think it necessarily applies to professional sports. Yeah. Because it is a multi-billion dollar business and failure is a reality.
4: Failure is a reality. Uh, You know, I appreciate that in his mind, his psychology, he can move on with a clear conscience. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have said it. Anyway, all right, let us go to producer Dan Wilson. Fine job today, Dan Wilson, and find out what did we forget to talk about. Well, really quick, we're just talking about the Giannis thing. If you asked Michael Jordan if his non-championship seasons yeah. oh, were yeah. a failure, what do you think he'd say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be like, um, yes. Yeah. yeah, and he'd be mad at somebody about
2: it. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a weak quote or weak reference by Giannis. Uh, I'll stick with the NBA. As a result of the Bucks losing, we have a rare scenario here, which hockey's, you know, did for years. They realigned a little bit. The NFL's been doing for years. The NBA does not recede, and more, yeah, pe- nope. more people than I realized like were unaware of this. I guess because the eight seed never wins, so the Knicks are playing the Heat. The Knicks are the five seed; they host the series. Meanwhile, the or Celtics is like the de facto Eastern Conference Finals. They start on the road. Do you guys have any thoughts on this?
4: It's ridiculous. It, it, it's really bad. It uh, hockey recedes, football recedes. Mm-hmm. You recede. The best team plays the worst every round with survivors. I have no. You have any idea why the NBA doesn't?
0: No, I don't have any idea why and. We are potentially looking at uh, the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals, which would make uh, New York sports fans and media members, many of whom I love and are friends with, completely insufferable. Because <laughs> the Knicks are incredibly popular in New York, the second most popular team to the Yankees, and people up there treat that franchise like it actually has a history of being good. When in fact, uh, a long like, time. It's been a long, long time. All right, what else we got, Dan?
2: Uh, so in reference to Jonathan Gannon, we hit on it a little bit that maybe he wasn't fully focused. My thought has always been on this. Like, the NFL is the fastest coaching cycle of all the sports. Yeah. Like, he gets hired immediately. D'Amico Ryan's got hired immediately. Sh- Shane Steichen got hired immediately. Whether or not there's tampering that goes on, can anyone really be fully focused on their final day of one job if they're about to get the biggest promotion of no. their life? No, Like, is it
4: even possible? I imagine it's not, and – this certainly made it worse. But, yeah, I, there's really – I don't know the good solution for it because this, teams fire their coaches and then you have the playoffs and teams want to start on the next cycle. So, there's really no good answer. No,
0: I, I don't know what teams do. Uh, I just know that in a situation like that one, if Jonathan Gannon is distracted in any way, it might be understandable in the co- broader context of the process. Eagles fans aren't going to understand
2: it. No, of course not. And the Eagles had two coordinators who – By the way, we're like that. But Gannon's kind of been uh, the one with the microscope recently. The third one, Phillies win uh, a 3-1 down in Houston last night. Aaron Nola pitches eight innings, the deepest any Philly starter has gone this season. Uh, But Nick Castellanos made maybe the play of the season thus far.
4: And Nola delivers. And the pitch is hit in the air to right. It's deep. Castellanos back at the track. He leaps at
6: the wall, and he caught it. Did he get it? He got it. Castellanos takes the ball out of his glove finally. He (laughs) leapt at the wall. He stole a home run, and then he sat down on the warning track
5: and now races off with a big smile on his face as he keeps the game tied. What
4: a catch by Castellanos. Nice job by Scott Fransky because Castellanos
0: really hit it. I I don't know about you guys, but I knew – the Phillies were getting a gold glove caliber right fielder <laughs> when they signed Nick Castellanos to five years and a hundred million dollars. He didn't year. even
4: know he was playing right field. <laughs> he, made <it. laughs> Listen, he made the play of the year last year against Houston. And now he's made the play of the there this year. He did a really good job because I guess he was angry at Houston fans or the mascot. So
2: yeah, really quick. I have the quote from a, a Matt Gelb story post game. He said, we just had the mascot stick their world series ring and our face on the jumbotron. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I pay attention. I pay attention to that kind of stuff. So uh castellanos was infuriated by going down to houston had something to prove pulls a home run back uh and again the play of the season but not a ton of people saw it it was on apple tv yeah uh
4: but it was a great play quickly one more that's all i had that's just all you got things, all right. yeah. uh go birds radio coming up next go birds james and ellie from parks oh, james and ellie from parks that's going to be good stuff mike sealski
0: Uh, tell people one more time about your book signing. Main Point Books, 2 to 4 P.M. Wayne, Pennsylvania. Be there, be square. All
4: right. Go get some reading. And then after you get the book, come on over. Actually, this is going on all day up till I think nine o'clock tonight. It is the ninth anniversary party of Conch and Bruin Company, which I'm involved with at our place in Conchi, right on the running trail seven or bike trail seven thirty-nine East Elm Street. And when you come out, you can try all of our new releases, including be the first on your block to get Franski in LA. Bedlam at the Bank Golden oh, Ale.
0: Can't wait. Yeah, I,
4: me as well. Dan, nice job. Everybody, uh, I'll talk to you next weekend. I'll talk to you tomorrow with Jody Mack. By the way, Ray Dinger, Brian Ball, Dinger, join Jody Mack and I tomorrow right here.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover
4: the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s?
6: It's better
3: over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month
2: with eligible trade-in when you switch.